tonight at the midnight movie. Oh, curse my metal body. Are you going to go, Tim? If I thought I could stay up that late, I might consider it. <laughs> well, once I, I start stretching out on the couch, I usually fall asleep. Well, I was going to say, what if you took a long, refreshing nap beforehand? Then I don't get up. All right. Well, okay. You know, there is Viso, Tim. Viso with its uh, many, its exciting well, six flavors and its many vitamins and minerals. Some with caffeine. I think I'm done with my household chores. I usually take it to finish that. All right. Well, I'm just and it's you know that doesn't actually even start at midnight. It starts at 11 p.m. And get an early start on it. You're saying you should ponder it. Oh, perhaps I will. All right. There you go. It's uh, hello. It's four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of December in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Mr. Takagi, father of six. Uh, we are here in the uh, plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Uh, glad you're part of it. It's 503-733-2970 if you want to uh, get on board today with your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your two cents, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol, who's dressed like some sort of... Swap meet ninja today. Dave Zinn says that's his favorite Richie outfit ever. Really? Uh-huh. How sad that Dave Zinn has a favorite Richie outfit. Oh, uh, we all do. Mine was the do-rag one. I just, Richie, I was just looking at it today. We really are like the oddest conglomeration of people. 
I mean, we really are four things, none of which are anything like the other. It's part of what you see. It's part of life's rich pageant. That's what makes the show interesting, I suppose. Uh, so Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the stupid, the, uh, you know, the whatever. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970, if you would like to uh, join us today. Let's see. What else? Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T uh, at 970.am. Uh, that's how ye might do that. All right. Here's what's... Uh, and I'm having a little bit of a difficulty with my email this morning. So if you're emailing me something, at this point, there's no guarantee that I'm going to see it like right away. So my email's acting a little uh, sketchy, as they say. So if you send something, I may see it. I I may not. So I'll uh, I'll let you know if that resolves itself somehow. I think it's a I think it's an internet problem. Uh, it's a problem with science. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Ed McCarthy will be joining us uh, from Atlanta. Uh, he's talking about a little bit of the fallout from that. I was looking at. The, I don't even really care that much about sports, but I do like it when things go badly for people. So I was looking at the front of USA Today, and it's just like some. It's like a whole bunch of collect. It's it's like collector's cards of shame. It's like the the tops hall of disgust and and failure. But you know this story comes out every year and people act like this is the first time they've heard of I'm it. I'm stunned. Athletes behaving badly, but this, apparently this is pretty. I mean, I mean, how many people was it? Like eighty-five different people or something? Yeah. There's some huge list of uh, the, the, the America's heroes. The idols to our youth, uh, all of whom are just uh, gacked out of their brains on all kinds of weird laboratory hormone steroid growth things that you're supposed to give to cows, I think. So it's all very exciting. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rachel McGrath will join us today. Oh, we got to roll out that 20th Century Fox thing for her. Uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Rachel McGrath will join us from Los Angeles, where I love it when I get to say things like this. Talks have completely broken down. Uh, between the studios and the writers. And apparently the writers are now actually... I think I may be right about this. If I'm remembering the headline correctly, I think the Writers Guild is now actually filing a lawsuit against the studios, claiming they are, quote, negotiating in bad faith. Uh, there's that, and then there's the Golden Globes, which I care less about. But, you know, what are you do? Well, they're a bunch of freeloading foreigners. <sighs> a bunch of bastards. I mean, nobody cares a foreigner's opinion of anything American anyway. A bunch of un-American swine. Yeah. I was telling Chris from CNN, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't really care about the Glo- Golden Globes, and he's... Kind of sounded offended. I felt pretty well, good. You know. well because they deem it important enough to report on it. Sure, I'm sure Rachel cares about it because she's a foreigner. But I mean, no one, no right-thinking American cares about the Golden Globes because here's the thing: because every year they roll out this uh, is the, is canard the word I'm looking whatever it is. Every year they roll out this thing. But, you know, the Golden Globes are a good bellwether for predicting the Oscar, and then every year they're not. That's the thing. Every single year they go, well, the uh, film that wins the most Golden Globes traditionally sweeps the Oscars as well. And then every year you get the same story about a month later going, well, this year they defied expectations and Battlefield Earth, which won all kinds of Golden Globes, won nothing. You know, so it's whatever. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so Aaron Duran will be in the studio today. He's going to be talking about uh, I Am Legend, which we talked about a little bit on Tuesday. I think he's reviewing something. Then there's some piece of crap open today. There's some terrible film. What am I thinking of? What? Take your pick. There's plenty of them. It's probably... I, I thought there was something especially terrible that opened today. I can't remember what it might be. A Sweeney, cartoon or a movie? I don't remember. Sweeney Todd doesn't open for a oh, while. Oh, there's yeah, that. Right? Uh, That's Christmas. Day. That Alvin and the Chipmunks That's thing. it. That's it. The Alvin and the Chipmunks thing, for which there are uh, uh, huge banners 
all through that mall downtown, the Pioneer. Oh, popular oh. underdog. Oh, man. It's, and if you walk through the food court, which embarrassingly enough I did a few days ago, I was at the mall downtown going to the, uh, the Sharper Image store, because, you know, why not? Um, so I'm at the Sharper Image store, and then I, I went to the food court just to grab a, grab a little grub. And so I'm walking through there, and there's nothing but Alvin and the Chipmunks posters. Each of them has Alvin and the Chipmunks striking a pose in a different musical style. And then they, were, they, they use the word uh, monk. So there's like, you know, monk rock. And then they're all, you know, one has a mohawk, and one is throwing up like devil horns or something. And then there's one that's like, there's one where they're dressed up like, uh, like urban youth. And I, uh, I forget exactly what the tagline is. It's just the whole thing is retarded. So really, if your child wants to see it, at this point you should ask yourself whether that child is worth keeping. You know what I mean? Really. It's never too late. Probably get an exchange on it. So uh, Aaron, will be in, uh, Aaron will be doing his top five Christmas songs today. Aaron Duran's top five Christmas tunes. Uh, and today, we're not going to clean the fridge, but I am gonna, we are going to try to finally tally up. Because there's, it's not just that the food, the fridge is full of liquor at this point. It's that it's full of food, and I think we've forgotten that most of it existed. So it's it's kind of starting to unnerve me a little bit, because I think that sometimes out of the corner of my eye I see things moving around in there, and I know that's just a manifestation of my own fear about what's lurking in the back of the fridge. But we can't. I don't want it to, to, to devolve into the weekenders that we so loathe. So I should try to... Uh, we'll go through the fridge today. Uh, we do have It's the Worst Christmas Song You've Ever Heard. Actually, two different nominees, and they're both bad in their own way. It, it, really, is, it really is quite special, uh, this, this double shot we've got today of bad Christmas music. One of them is horrible because it's just flat unlistenable. The other one is horrible because it was made by a really well-meaning white person. And it's just the worst piece of... It's just... Un, and it's from Seattle. And so that adds just a little... Just a, a little extra patina of hate onto it. Uh, what else? There you go. Well, that's it. Oh, and we'll talk about um, <laughs> something horrific that I saw on television last night. And? and then and then Sarah and I will give a little recap about our tour of the Swingers Club uh, that we went to last night. Uh, dur- yesterday during... Swings. L'Amour! I wish I could do that. I don't know, thing that tiger. Yeah. That always gross. Uh, you know, disgusting. Not from you as such, just in general. I think that you just have that re- that reaction because you can't do it. I can't. I can't roll my R's. It I can't like in Spanish. I can't roll. I can't. I can't do any of that. I can't do the Johnny Rotten thing where he rolls it during God Save the Queen. I can do none of those things. So uh, Sarah, Richie Bristol. And then uh, your friends Pasha and Lisa mm-hmm. uh, and myself uh, all toured the Swingers Club yesterday. My wife ended up not going. This is and we'll, we'll we'll preview the news here in just a second. But I just have to say this. So this is what my this is what my wife decided to do. I, I stopped by the house yesterday. I'm like, hey, you ready to go? We're going to be going to that Swingers Club, you know, for a tour. Come on, let's go. And my wife is sitting on the sofa, covered in an afghan, watching Pride and Prejudice. And she's just like, no, I'm kind of knee-deep in Mark Darcy, so uh, why don't you go without me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of said, well, there's... I can't really argue with that. I can't really compete with Mark Darcy. Colin Firth uh, kind of has me beaten on every score. So That's true. Uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today, my peeps. A shaheless man is charged with lying to get blood aid. A man has been charged with pelting that plaid pantry cashier with canned beans and sweet peas. Albertson's bean soup is recalled because it has glass in it. <laughs> An unconscious man is rescued from a car dangling seven stories above the ground. And polls show Hillary Clinton is in trouble in four, four early primary states. Yeah. Also says a drudge. That's made up. And an overzealous fan steals Paula Abdul's urine. Okay. I didn't think we were going to end that way, but there you go. 
I wish Lisa was on today because I want to ask her about this Hillary uh, Clinton thing, but doesn't matter. It'll keep till next week. It doesn't. It, the, the I hate to sound like some like a like a tool about this, but none of these stories uh, about the, none of these political poll stories even really matter. No. Hillary will be the nominee because the Democrats are tired of losing. That's it. Done. Finish. Uh, end of story. Uh, and it, it, I do. I did print out a really great story, though, where they said that the, the, some consultant says the GOP is, quote, in danger of committing huckicide, which is a phrase that I'm going to start using all the time. So there you go. Huckicide. Uh, okay. Uh, before we do anything else, before we talk about the tour of the Swingers Club yesterday, let me just say, who here today has read the New York Post? Not me. Not me. Oh, man. Uh, the New York Post today had the best headline ever. Ever. The best headline in the history of the New York Post, which is America's finest newspaper. This is even better than um, Headless Body in Topless Bar, which is one of their famous headlines. This is... So, you know, Ike Turner passed away and uh, is being prodded uh, by the devil as we speak. So, this is the New York Post headline about the passing of Ike Turner. And you need to know here that the second word is in quotes. That's how you uh, need to hear this headline. The second word in this headline is in quotes. Because Tina Turner still alive. Ike Turner passed away. The headline from the New York Post is, Ike beats Tina to death. <laughs> Fantastic. Bada bing. That is why I love this country. Right there. That is the, and that's in like a reputable newspaper. Or what passes for a reputable newspaper in this, in this world of ours. So there you go. Fantastic. Uh, Okay, I got some other stuff to talk to uh, to talk about later, and, and, and all that. But we have to get to. Uh, yeah, in fact, let me just. Uh, well, let's not bring Richie in quite yet. We'll bring Richie here in just a few. So, after much uh, sort of build up and speculation and whatever, uh, so Sarah, myself, Richie Bristol, and then Sarah's friend uh, Pasha and your friend Lisa, uh, we all went to the what is now called. Oh, well, that's not it. <laughs> Jesus, what is that? I'm sorry, I was going to play the Swingers Club, and this is the exact same length, and oh. I thought that it would still be in there. Oh, is that not the... Why uh, is the John and Jeff backup uh, hour? Probably. I guess we were having computer problems last year. Well, their computer problems just messed up my bit. I'm sorry. Were you going to play the... They're called Swingers. Yeah. That's uh, probably around there somewhere. Okay. Well, so the... So the... Whatever, the five of us went to the Angels Sensual Social Club uh, yesterday, because we've been talking about it forever. Um... And so, uh, you know, we had X number of people who listen to the show and who, who go there. And it turns out that one of the guys who gave us the tour, uh, uh, you know, listens. And um, here's a great moment. So we're, I, I don't mean to skip ahead. But we're, so we're touring the whole Swingers Club. And not during business hours, just during the middle of the day. So we're touring. And the best part was me, by the way, kind of going around the office and going, Hey, um, do we have a meeting or anything? Promo meeting? Department meeting? No? Great. Because I got oh, the... Oh, go to the swingers club now. And I, I was trying to avoid saying that in the office yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I have kind of a previous engagement. I have an appointment that I have it uh, for. So if I'm going to... I'm going to have to sneak on out of here. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I got something yeah. I got to... Uh, yeah, if you look on my uh, Microsoft Outlook, yeah, I'm blocked out from 4 to 5.30. I have uh, somewhere I have to be. And hoping that no one would kind of go, where? Uh, so we all go to the Swingers Club. The best point is... In, in the, one of the highlights of the tour for me was that we get into this sort of this main area where they have, I guess, uh, light refreshments, and it's just nothing but viso. So there you go, Alex. Well done. Ye have obtained placement in one of the most coveted, uh, one of the most coveted spots in Portland. Swingers Club filled with viso. Uh, all right. So I don't even know where to start. So, I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't either. I mean, it just it was so unbelievably 
overwhelming. I was try- At first, I was sort of taking notes to myself, like, make sure to mention this. Make sure to talk about this, this well, weird thing. Well, it did thing. definitely get more interesting as they became more comfortable. Well, initially... Yeah, actually, yeah. We all sat in the lobby. They were very, uh, and again, they were. We should say this up front. They were great guys. They were everyone. Totally was really, cool. Really nice. They were really, they were really great. Not, and uh, yeah, you know. and it's not icky. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't like icky and sleazy like we because we've been taking a lot of cheap jokes because that's what you do when you talk about swingers club. We've been taking many cheap shots. Um, but initially, well, especially if the acronym's ass. Totally. <laughs> and in the first ten minutes, though, you could sense that they were sort of, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way. They were kind of giving us the membership spiel, and you could tell it was just because they didn't really know us at that point, and we didn't really know them. They were, we were just some guys from the radio, and they were just kind of giving us the, the speech that you get the feeling they give to most people who walk in and don't know anything about it. And he's giving us the lowdown, and the, here's what happens, here's what doesn't happen, here's what you can't do. You know, no cell phones, you know, whatever. Um, pressure wash, Dalen. Something like that, actually. He's pointing out all of these services, uh, all these services are vinyl, and they are cleaned every nine minutes by automated robots that, you know, or whatever, to go through. And he's like, this is the hamper. Please put your used bedding in the hamper when done. And so it was two men and a woman uh, that gave us the walkthrough. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, with us, it's like Richie and I and, like, three girls and so it's just like it, not weird but just kind of an odd combination of people you know and so Richie and I totally were, were sort of in the periphery because you know I think men are really incidental to the business of that place um, so they give us the whole walkthrough and it was re- first of all that place is massive I mean it's gigantic inside because from the outside you think it's like uh, the size of like a supercuts or something it's huge inside it was enormous I was really impressed with how big it was it used to <laughs> it used to be a house at one point, too. I guess years ago it was a house that they then bought and turned into this, like, swingers club. Um, so I don't even really know. It would probably be pointless to try to give you the whole the whole thing here. It's I like mean, three floors and different rooms for different things. There are all these rooms with, like, little doors and windows on them. Different themes. Some of them have, like, fish tanks in them. There was, okay, well, we should bring Richie in at this point, I guess, actually, too. Well, let me just, because uh, oh, he was documenting this. Oh, Richie. It's quite pungent. Welcome, Richie Bristol, now to the show. Hello, Richie. Good morning. Hi. Uh, So, uh, well, let's just jump to the bottom of the page here. So So, we learned a lot about Richie yesterday. uh Boy, first of all, can I tell you, Richie was ready to apply for a membership like eight minutes into the tour. Uh, Can I just tell you this, that Richie, I don't even think we were past the first hot tub. And Richie's like, so when is the next time you're going to be open? And uh, and And actually, that time is tonight. Is that oh, they're open tonight? <laughs> now, now, if I can ask this, Richie, now, do you plan on attending at some point, either as observer or participant? Uh, you don't have, have to answer if you don't want to. I got invited by a female ago. Tonight? This weekend. Wait, you got invited by a female? Is it somebody we know? Yeah. Oh, come on! Come on! <laughs> it, now, let me ask this. Um, and again, we won't use the names of anybody who was there last night. Uh, because, you know, they're very into discretion and anonymity. So we won't use yeah. the names of the people who gave us the tour. Was it the person who gave us the tour? The, with the female? No, no. Okay. Is it a... Is it so someone that we know, though? Yeah, you've talked to her. On the phone. Is it a listener? Yeah. Have you met her before? Uh, kind of. Has she been in the studio? No. You kind of a met her. A female listener invited you to go to the swingers club. Yeah, it was weird. You, you think? Are you going to do it? 
Uh, I'm contemplating. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a yes. yes. That's a yes. I told him to get another friend, and then I'll. I'll oh, don't be a pig. <laughs> that's totally a yes. Really pig. You swinging. do act like Krusty the Clown. Okay, that's a little creepy. Um, anyway, so uh, so we took a whole bunch of photographs, most of them embarrassing. And, I'm looking at them oh, now. Yeah. And you took a bunch of video. Now, is this posted? Uh, no. It is not posted because we are going to run everything by Sarah and run everything by the folks who gave us the tour to make sure that they're cool with it. Yes. Yeah, so because they're big on, like, no faces. No. And normally... You can get their faces in it. I got one with the face. And normally no one is allowed to photograph anything in there because they don't want their membership disclosed. You know, they're very, again, they're keeping people's privacy. Uh, they let us take some photos. Took some photos yesterday. Let us took. Let us take. take let us take right. some photos yesterday. Uh, but we're going to screen them by the folks and by Sarah before we post any of them. Yeah. Um, Let me just show you this one. Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, that, uh, is, that is so... I don't know. Wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> I was going to say that that is really... And I know this sounds weird. I was going to say it's really kind of hot and creepy. It, it looks like creep. summer camp. Because it reminds me of those Calvin Klein ads from the 90s where it was like the girls in like the wood-paneled trailer like looking all strung uh-huh. out. Kind of like... Sexy and trashy all at once. That's a great photograph. I know that we're talking about photographs that people want to see. They will be posted. We will get them on the station site yeah, at some Pasha point. Sent me, she processed a lot of them and sent them to me. As soon as we have sort of clearance from the people in the photos, we will put these photos up of Sarah and I and Richie and some other uh, girls uh, touring the sex club. Uh, so we will get those up. Uh, those will be on the site. Don't worry about it. You, you um, know the one I want to see. I don't. Which one do you want to see? The one you're in the cage. Is it all where you being spanked? No. There was a lot of photographs where Richie, <laughs> Richie has Richie? a very submissive side to him we found out he was originally it was like maggie gyllenhaal in james spader's law office it was a whole lot of like hey how about you put a bridle on me for this one and stick a carrot in my mouth i want to see the one that uh rick strapped up in the cage yeah there's one where i'm i'm in a cage on a like a you know like a leather harness i don't know how i got talked into that we're enjoying it as much as richie yeah they were trying to talk me into it i'm like no no richie was really really into posing like a uh Sort of Shirley Temple style in some of these photographs. <laughs> it was a little unnerving, actually. Um, so anyway, but the, the place was huge. There's like these... Uh, he, I wrote down this phrase, and Pasha seemed to like this phrase a lot, so I'm going to use it again. I wrote down... And this is a note to myself while touring the Swingers Club. It's like some kind of sex hostel. And it really is. If you stayed in a hostel, you know that they're like small rooms, clean but small, uh, and then it's a whole row of those. And then community bathrooms, community shower, whatever. That's what it's sort of like. It is like a hostel filled with sex. Uh, and then there's like a dance floor. And then there's like a pool room upstairs. Which reminded me a lot of the Rose and Thistle, by the way. Um, th- th- here's another great thing. And there's a photo of this that you'll see. The only... Because I flat out asked the guy at one point. When he, we were touring the upstairs where there's the jukebox, there's booths, there's tables. There's like a place where you can... You know, there's like food. There's some pool tables. And I said, is there any place in this club where sex is not allowed? And he said, right here. And he points at the pool table. And there is a placard on the pool table that says, no sex on pool table. The pool table is literally the only place in a club where you are not allowed to like... Get and near the buffet. On. And near the buffet. And in the front lobby. But I think, and and where people on the street can see you. Yeah. So, but I like to add that they said that guys can't run around naked, though. No, they ask men when they are not engaged in whatever activity, men uh, to cover themselves. Women, of course, walk around, however, but men to cover themselves when, what's that? With a fig leaf. <laughs> <laughs> cover your shame. Um, so, Yeah. Anyway, it was, I don't even really know, I'm probably leaving stuff out. What else would people want to know that heard us talk about this? 
Uh, they only let ten guys in at a time. Well, that's uh, ten, ten on guys. Saturday, I think it is. They only let like ten single guys. But uh-huh. I think on Friday, there was like unlimited dudes or whatever. There was, let's see what else. There was happy a, hour. a so-called, <laughs> every hour is happy hour there, Tim. There was, a, in one room, there was so-called, a so-called group room. And the group room is a massive bed, like the kind you imagine Hugh Hefner having. Uh, it's just a huge bed. And, like, it's just in this room where anybody can sort of walk in. There are, like, rooms where you can pull the curtains and have privacy, and there's a door that shuts, and nobody's allowed to open the door, nobody's allowed to knock on the door, whatever. Uh, what else? There is a so-called voyeur room, which I'm, you know, which I found kind of uh, interesting. <laughs> a room where you go into the room. And there's a massage table next to the voyeur room. Exactly. And the voyeur room has glass, you know, has windows, and then it has a door, but the door is sort of like a gate, so you can see into it. So people can't physically get near you, but people can watch you. So that's kind of interesting. There's, a, of course, a stripper pole at one point. There's like four hot tubs, one of which is actually outdoors, but uh, but covered. It's, it, it, no, the there whole, are two hot tubs out there. Is that true? The whole place was just sort of mind-blowing. And I mean, and it was very surreal at one point. I'm sitting there, and I'm there with like three girls and Richie, and I'm like, and you start to think about like, the accumulated All the man things that have happened there. And not just that, but like the accumulated man hours of sex that have happened in that room. I mean, you think about like, like what is the actual raw number of sexual acts that have taken place inside that real well, we estate? I know that one girl. Oh, well, there was the stories a, that they were telling. Well, there was one. There was. A, there was. A, he's, this is. This is the other great thing is that everything we would talk to the guys about, they, they would, or the woman who was given the tour, they would bust out some anecdote. Like we'd say, well, what's the wackiest thing you've ever seen here at this sex club? And the guy would go. Well, there was this uh, there was this woman who wanted to be pleasured by 100 men, and, and we're kind of what? And then like would immediately um you know, and then he would immediately launch into the anecdote. Maybe later they gave us this little rundown, like a list of like a fact, like commonly asked questions about the swing club. We might go through that later because it's pretty fascinating. And yeah. then do we think when one Richie, when do we think we can start getting some of these photos, like Pasha's photos and your stuff posted? Like the stuff that's just us. Yeah, well, I have Pasha's photos, and she said that she doesn't mind if we put them on the web. And, and this, it's just us. Okay, and the stuff is just us. We could start getting that on the web like now. Yeah. So we'll take we'll figure that out during the break. We'll figure out the logistics. So anyway, so you now are you have have we met this woman who invited you to the club, or was it just on the phone? On the phone. When does she want to go tonight or tomorrow? Uh, this weekend. This weekend. Well, that's. She wants to go with you. But I mean, does yeah. she want to go? Is it... No. Is okay. it now? Does she want to go? Does she want to accompany you, or does she want to go with you? I don't. She said she's been there six times before. Really? Yeah. Oh. Excellent. I like what I'm hearing. Richie, let me just tell you this: in in betting, there is this there is this notion called the sure thing. Let me tell you about the sure thing, Richie. If you're being invited to a swingers club by a girl who's gone six times before, I mean, it really doesn't doesn't really get it doesn't really get much sure. Richie, than that. you need to go. You need to go for the sake and of the you show. Need to, and you need to report back to us. And you need to keep a blog about it. <laughs> Take a BlackBerry. Uh, uh, Jesus. All right. Uh, we're so behind. Uh, when do we have uh, forty? Ed forty. Okay, so we got added forty. Um, so do you want to forward those to Richie? Sarah, how do you want to do that? Yeah. Or do why, you want to, why don't we go through them? There are a couple of them. Let's go through them the during the break. And I'd like to put those on the on the station site sometime today. So let's yeah, go yeah. through them during the break. Um, all right. Thank you, Richie. Well, we'll check okay. in with you later in the day about that. Um, let me just do a couple things. Uh, did anybody watch the Barry Manilow Christmas special on PBS? No. No. I'm going to watch it, though. Oh, man. It oh, it's fantastic. You know, I love Barry Manilow and not... 
I mean, I do recognize that he is kitschy and kind of dumb, um, but I do also sincerely love a lot of Barry Manilow songs, and he is a consummate performer. Um, so I don't even, I don't know that I have time to talk about it now, but I am going to talk, I made some notes uh, last night about this Barry Manilow Christmas special, which is great and terrible, and I have some audio from it that we'll play later. Um, I'm going to read this one email, then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Ed McCarthy. Um, this is, uh, the subject on this email is Idiot Morning DJs. Rick, I was driving the WAF this morning in her car, and she had the radio set to Christmas music. The WAF. I listen to Christmas music all the time in my car. This was on, he was listening to K103. That is my, favorite. besides AM970, Salt State Radio, and everything else in the CBS cluster, that is my favorite radio station. I only ever hear that station inside Safeway. Um... Anyway, he he says, the two DJs were reading a story about how Will Smith is worried that there might be too much Will Smith in his movie. So one of the DJs then goes on to give a quick synopsis of I Am Legend. He says, I Am Legend stars Will Smith in a movie where a virus kills everything on Earth, leaving Will Smith as the last man alive. And then, of course, the other moronic DJ then says... Don't... You're not going to spoil anything, are you? No. But, okay. he, but he says... This is Aaron will scream when he hears this. The other DJ says, who, and he's on K103, so the DJ's got to be like 70. He says, basically, it's a remake of Omega Man. He then says, I about crashed the car. So there you go. All right. So that's just for the geeks in the house. You don't need to go see it, because I Am Legend is just a remake of Omega Man. All right. Uh, well, we should give a congratulations to Sarah Wagner, too, because she got a promotion today. Sarah Wagner, who you used to hear on the Timnasium and who will be part of our Christmas extravaganza, has been promoted from whatever her job was before to actual uh, account executive or a sales real weasel. Live sales girl. Yeah, so she's a go. weaselette. Yes. yes. <laughs> so she may be calling on you sometime soon. Give her your money, won't you? Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll start to get those photos from the Swingers Club posted, and I never thought I would say that. And uh, Ed McCarthy joining us, plus Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, Richie Bristol, Aaron Duran. My, 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 what a busy day. Stay there. Hi, hello. Hello. Hi. It's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. That really is a good picture of you. It's a fantastic picture of both of us, actually, and I think it's safe for work, technically speaking. All right, we're, we are sorting through the photos from the Swingers Club tour yesterday, and we'll get those uh, posted so y'all can, uh, can look at those. Let me just, uh, I'm going to come around to your side, because we got added in a few minutes. Might as well kill some time. All right, definitely the no sex on the pool table. All right, that's a great photo. Uh, we're going, we're sorting through all the photos right now. Okay. And then as we sort through them, we'll give them to Richie, who will post them. I don't think this is as exciting of a bit as you think. No and no. <laughs> is that you eating the banana? <laughs> that is. Did you see, at, when when you started eating that banana, Pasha immediately, like, lunged for her cameras. I must have Sarah eating a banana. Now, should we do the whole sequence of you working the pole? <laughs> Please to explain. <laughs> this is, there's a stripper pole at one point. Boy, my hair looks fantastic. Uh, there's a... Uh, there's a, stri- a, little blurry. a stripper pole that Pasha then demanded. Okay, I'm just going to let you go through Okay. This. Otherwise, I'm just going to be staring at something. Um, there's this, uh, there was this whole sequence where um, there's, a, there's a dance floor with a stripper pole. Um, and Pasha, who is a, the photographer of, of some renowned, renowned, whatever. Renown. She's a great photographer. Yeah, Pasha Productions. And uh, she, she's like, get on the pole. And I'm like, all right. And, you know, and it's my whole, you know, dance like a monkey. Amuse us. 
Uh, and uh, that was very entertaining because the people who worked there kept trying to get me to do it. I'm like, no, 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 no I don't do not, that. That's no, Rick. That's a Rick thing. <laughs> but getting, it, the, getting the sex on it, no, 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 that's Rick. And it really is emblematic of my whole life. It really was like my life in a microcosm. That there I am swinging around a pole, looking like a retard, uh, you know, you know, to amuse others, <laughs> to amuse it. Well, and there's well, Sarah, I think is putting down like a dollar bill or something at the rail or the rack it's or whatever true. it's called. So there you go. Uh, hi, we'll get to Ed McCarthy here in just a few about the uh, baseball scandal. Uh, later on, Tim Riley. Uh, we got Rachel McGrath coming up. Aaron Duran will talk about the Manilow thing that happened last night. Uh, top five terrible Christmas songs and so forth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. It's Pasha. Hi. Oh, hey, Pasha. Pasha. How are you? I'm sorry. The, Richie is, uh, Richie's busy doing some, some whatnots on the web, so we can get a chance to, uh, to see who this was. But, so, we're looking at your photographs right now. We're going to get them posted And I'm today. not altering the color or anything in any way. <laughs> so, Rick, I, I remembered some quotes of things you said that are really funny. Uh, this is, uh, the only ones that I, this is when we toured the <laughs> Swingers Club, the only things that I wrote down were me saying, um, let's see, I wrote down, it's like a sex hostel. I love that. And then later on in the front, uh, and, and again, I, we should say for the record, uh, that this was all, you know, this is done because we were talking about it and they invited us to come out. In no way is this any sort of a, uh, you know, promotional, you know, endorsement. Although I think that. they did find a new member in Richie. They, I think they are going to make a little money off Richie. But yeah, this is, of course, not done for any sort of consideration. This was simply done because they invited us out. We wanted to see it. But at one point, there's this huge, and I'm so sorry that Ed is on hold and has to hear me talk this way. Ed, I please forgive my blue language, but there's, like, at the front, there's this huge, um, like, footlocker full of uh, marital aids, and they were talking about this particular company that had dropped off uh, a lot of marital aids for them to sell or give away or you know, whatever, and they were talking about the guy who owns the business. They're like, they're like, yeah, that guy comes by about every six months and gives us, like, 500 uh, vibrators, and I, I did make the observation that he was sort of like the Johnny Appleseed of dildos. So, anyway, uh, what what else did you want? And then we have to run here in a second. But what else did you want to say? I just have a few. You said, this is sex the way Ford and... There was this one, there was this one, they were talking about a woman who had had, uh, relations with many men, one after the other. And I did say that, yes, it was sex as envisioned by Henry Ford. Yes. Yes. And then another one is, um, under your breath, you kept mumbling, I'm so prude, I'm so prude, I'm so prude. Well, I really, I got to tell you, there were moments, and again, I, I, I do not pass judgment. Everyone is free to, as they say, follow their bliss, or do whatever. And I, I really am not, as long as everybody's on the same page and everybody's an adult and consenting, that's fine. And I really do mean that. Yeah. But there are times when I really feel my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> and it's like when they are sitting there saying, well, the only place you can't fornicate is on the pool table. Everywhere else, go for it. <laughs> and then there's like some porn playing in the background and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, Jesus Christ. And we're trying to not look at it because it's right in front of us. Yeah, and you're just going, like, where did I go the wrong? The other thing that you said that was really funny is the smell of Clorox in here is all at once disturbing as it is comforting. No, it's <laughs> no, it really is true. All right, so we're going to get some of your photographs up later today, okay, Pasha. Great. So thank you for accompanying yeah. it. There you go. Thanks, thank Pasha. You. All right, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> yeah, I never felt more Catholic in my life. I'm sorry that Ed McCarthy had to hear this whole discussion. Hi, Ed. How are you? Hey, Rick. How are you? Well, it's been an interesting 24 hours. Uh, we had, we, we'd spent a few days. There's a sort of... By turns, famous uh, and infamous local business here, and it is a uh, what one colloquially refers to as, I suppose, a swingers club or or wife swapping club. And we had just talked about it because there's, 
it's one of those places that uh, you know that has has sometimes you know people you know sort of sort of offended by it, and sometimes there's you know there's a move by the city to try to get rid of it, and other people are you know say that it's part of the sort of progressive atmosphere of Portland and whatever. So we had this whole discussion about it, and after talking about it on the air for a day or two, some of the folks who managed the place invited during the day when it wasn't in operation, invited uh, Sarah and I and some other folks to come down and just give us a tour as kind of like for a bit for the show. And so we did this whole tour of this swingers club thing yesterday, and it was just, it was it was both great and really just weird at the same time. I mean, I have to say it really was one of the weirdest experiences of my life, even with no one in it, even completely empty. Touring it, it was just bizarre, like off the charts. So I've been halfway through the conversation. So now that you've updated me, now I understand what that part of the yeah, conversation was no, all about. It, we were talking to a photographer friend of ours who accompanied us, and as soon as she started talking, but I'm thinking, oh god, Ed's on hold, and he thinks we've devolved into some morning show, and <laughs> he thinks thinks he's on the phone with Opie and Anthony. We've changed our format. Yeah, exactly. It's all shock jock today. Um, uh, well, we had talked a little bit uh, to Steve Castamon yesterday about this this Mitchell report, and it's funny, you see that, and I don't even know that much about sports, but you see the front of USA Today, uh, this morning's edition, and it's just like picture after picture after picture after picture, and at a certain point with this with this, this steroid thing, um, and it's not just steroids, right? I mean, steroids is like a catch-all term, but w- w- is it just like anabolic steroids, or what? I mean, what are they putting in themselves here? Yeah, so the, the anabolic steroids, you got that human growth hormone. Uh, HTH, they call it, uh, HGH, I should say. And uh, that uh, is really what they were looking at. You know, the president actually said today, he says, you know, let's not really make judgments here until uh, we know all the the facts. There's an interesting thing, and I'm not defending anybody, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure this goes on, but they have a lot of past players. Uh, Roger Clemens was the big name that uh, that came out in this Mitchell report. But it was really funny because there was an interview that ESPN did with David Justice, and he basically was saying, well, you know what, this guy came up to me and he offered me this stuff, and I found out that you needed to take it with a needle, and I don't do needles really well, so I didn't bother with it. So you wonder if, you know, these guys have been connected to some of these guys because a guy walked up, guy walks up to you and offers you something, you don't necessarily have to take it. But by the same token, it was guilt by association uh, with this Mitchell report. Well, let me ask you this: is there, is it at some because there's so many guys uh, named in this? Is is it a point where there's so many folks that are sort of caught up in this in this tar pit that they're just going to have to like punish no one because you can't punish everybody? It's a good question. You know, many of the fans are asking the same question. Like one guy said to me yesterday. You know, can the baseball, Major League Baseball, all the executives look themselves in the mirror and not do something about this? You know, he says that's a good question. You know, whether or not they'll do anything is still very much up in the air. And so, the, what is the next step? Like, what is the timeline for when all this for when all this comes down? Well, you know, what's going to happen, Dutch. It's going to be a lot of uh, political hand wringing. You know, Congress is going to get back into this again, hold hearings, and a lot of people say. You know, what does Congress have to do with Major League Baseball? Sure. Is, this, is this because, somebody mentioned this to me yesterday, somebody asked why Congress had the ability to do this. Is this because of the whole antitrust thing that happened during the strike where Congress somehow came in and was able to sort of exert more regulation on this sport than they have on exactly, others? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, there, but there's so many people that are saying, you know, Congress, you know, look at all the things that are important that they really need to be dealing with. 
and they're worried about you know Major League Baseball. Stay stay the heck away from that, and and you know and work on other things that the the public cares about. Now the sports fans truly do care about this issue. You know, a lot of them feel you know really shafted by this whole thing because they're saying. You know, there are guys that went out and set records. They, you know, they, they were Cy Young winners. They made the all-star teams. We're out paying good money to go out and watch these guys right. going to maybe 10 or 12 ball games a year, taking the kids and everything else who look up to heroes. And these guys really now, you find out some of them if they're really involved in this thing. And, of course, this is just all still alleged in this Mitchell report. I want to make that clear. You know, they're saying these guys really – let us down. They're right. not heroes anymore. You know, as I always say, this is the example I always give. There's a massive pothole down the street from my house, and my truck has been stolen three times. So, really, when it comes to Congress partitioning out tax dollars for the public benefit, i got about 900 other things on the list that I care about before some guy harming himself by putting horse growth formula into his head. So, just uh, my observation. There you are. All right, Ed McCarthy, big plans for you and uh, Kathy this weekend? Well, probably not. Just uh, kind of hanging out. Getting ready uh, for the holidays, though. Excellent. Do you have a special holiday drink, or is it vodka cran all the way through the year? <laughs> It'll for you? probably be that, or who knows? We get closer to the thing, we'll be nailing the eggnog. You know what I mean? Excellent. Right. Thank, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a great weekend, Ed. You too, Rick. Right, Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. CNN Radio correspondent, <laughs> Ed McCarthy. Gotta uh, love the I dig that guy. I felt so uh, awkward when he was on hold and Pasha was talking about that woman who had relations with a hundred men. <laughs> just, and Ed, who I think actually, is, I don't know if he's still Catholic. I think Ed is actually, he grew up Catholic or something. And I'm sitting there going, oh, Jesus, God. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, Ed works in radio. He it's knows. No, nah, it's true. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, my email is running, by the way, but it is running pretty slowly today. So at the, at the moment, I'm able to sort of see the email, but I can't actually read it. In other words, I can see the headers, uh, but I can't actually see the body of the email at this point. So if you're emailing me, I'll get to it eventually. I'll read it at, uh, at some point. Um, all right. So have you uh, sorted through those photographs? You're still doing Almost. that? Almost. I got sidetracked by uh, yeah. thing. Is that but, the, um, the other thing taken care it's of? It's taken care of. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, so there are just dozens of photographs, a whole lot of them. With uh, Richie posing as though he were some kind of pony, uh, which is fine. You know, it's great. Uh, so, so there you go. So those will be uh, those will be up here in a short while. We'll tell you where to see those. Uh, coming up later on, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. We got at least two terrible Christmas songs to get to. Uh, we'll talk about this Manolo thing. We have Rachel McGrath coming up. Um, something else, something else. But it's all it's all gone away. It's all fallen out of my head. All right, I got nothing. All right, so I'll tell you what. I'm going to play a little thing. We'll go into break here. Uh, in a Christmas thing? Just a few. Uh, it's actually not. It's actually not. Uh, I'm going to play something as we go into break, and then we'll um, and then we'll come back uh, and hit the uh, the Ministry of Truth and all that. So this is uh, this is tonight. Uh, tonight at the Buffalo Gap, uh, there is a show going on, uh, a band that I'm a huge fan of, a band called Bubba Speed, uh, is going to be playing tonight with Braxton Bragg. They're opening the show. They go on stage at 9 p.m. sharp. Uh, the Buffalo Gap, which is at 6835 Southwest uh, Macadam. And so um, I don't know anything about the other act. I don't know anything. I don't know how long their set's going to be. I don't know if they're playing for half hour, two hours, whatever it is. Uh, Bubba Speed is a fantastic band, though. Uh, if you are a fan of sort of Southern-style rock or sort of... I don't want to call it garage rock, but it really is that it really is that sense of just like a bunch of mechanics holding guitars. So they are fantastic, uh, and they do a badass cover of Dwight Yoakam's Guitars and Cadillacs. So uh, go see them if you get the chance. That is tonight, 9 o'clock at the Buffalo Gap. They're called Bubba Speed. You can find out more at myspace.com slash Bubba Speed. And uh, spell just like it sounds. I'll play a little bit of this. We'll go into the break. We'll come back. 
with Tim Riley, Sarah Dillon, and uh, oh yeah, you stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Program. It's 503-733-297. Now, this is frustrating. Now, I'm getting some of my emails. Rick, this one says, is there anything we can do to enhance our chances of winning the glorious Bastard of the Year prize? Yes, but I think Richie's already been the recipient of that one thing you could probably do. Uh, or will be. Uh, let's see. Rick, this email says, uh, do you remember a few years back we had Joe Mentum for Joe Lieberman? This year, do you realize that Hillary is campaigning in a style that they're calling the, quote, Helicopter? Oh, that's just <laughs> stupid. And he says, I don't know which one makes my soul cry more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, kneel before him. He is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A man suspected of attacking a plaid pantry cashier with canned goods is now in custody. The clerk received a fractured face bone and injuries oh, to his stomach ah. when the 29-year-old accused allegedly threw cans of beans and sweet peas at him. This after the clerk refused to sell him beer. Under arrest is 29-year-old Philil Sattel. They found him at his home at Southeast 129th Avenue acting on several tips from the public after offering a $1,000 reward. They say the people who helped detectives identify and arrest this man would receive that money but declined to say how much each would get. Additional charges are pending. Now listen to this. You can go to the Coop and ride on a fire truck today, and it's for children. Clark County Fire District Number 11 will make your dream come true tonight. But you got to be a kid, and you got to bring a new unwrapped toy for children in need. This is at the North County Community Food Bank Christmas festivities. The rides are being offered between four to eight in the Battleground Fred Meyer parking lot. Oh, this is Fred. Uh, this is in Battleground Battleground uh, parking lot. 401 Northwest 12th Avenue. Uh-oh. I hope this isn't Scott Daly. Wells Fargo is eliminating 146 jobs in its <laughs> Beaverton loan processing set. I don't think Scott's in loan. Merry Christmas! Yep. As it uh, gears up to absorb up to $1 billion in losses from its home equity operation, it can't be that much. How can a bank lose money? How can it lose a billion dollars? I don't even know what... I don't even... Uh, I think this is all being exaggerated. That is a thousand million dollars is what that is. Brandon, How can you lose a... If you lose a thousand million dollars, you shouldn't be allowed to do business 146 anymore. 146 people must be punished for this. Seriously. Why isn't the guy who owns the company that lost the thousand million dollars being punished? You know, he'll probably... They'll reduce his Christmas bonus slightly, the guy who owns that bank. Probably. So 300 million dollars. Exactly. Uh, the company already announced it was uh, writing off $1.4 billion in bad loans, two-thirds from home equity mortgages. How can it be that much They're money? writing off? I don't understand. Let's pretend for a moment that I'm a moron. First of all, you've got to be an accountant to understand this. In 
Nobody here is. No. Uh, the so does they, when they say they're writing off bad loans, does that mean there's a whole bunch of loans they gave to people? Look, I'm not a hard-hearted man. But does this mean that they gave a bunch of loans to people who have decided not to pay it back, and the bank is just going to sort of go, well, all right. Right, and they got themselves in over their heads. All right, fine, fine, whatever. But uh, I'm not an accountant, and I can't. Well, they can't fire Scott Daly. He's supposed to buy my sofa. Well, I think he works in the uh, retirement department or something, doesn't he? Well, or maybe he's just in the retired department. I'm sorry, we shouldn't joke about that. But I don't think it's him. I don't think this applies to him. Yeah, you hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. He's, oh, I, yeah, he has 125 bucks that he's going to give me. You know, Washington Mutual, which is a good bank and my favorite one, I, uh, I revealed think... it will fire more than 3,000 employees to write off $1.6 billion in bad mortgage loans this quarter alone. Well, I don't understand. And as you said, I'm not an accountant. And I don't mean to sound like a jerk. But why should the people at the bank... I understand that bad things happen to people. I understand there are reversals of fortune and all of that. But I don't understand why 3,000... Did you say 3,000 people? Yeah, that's a, I think that's many right. people in this room like Washington Mutual and enjoy Everybody their banking services. Mutual. I do. I'm just I'm not trying to endorse one business over another, but I, I think I like we... them better than Wells Fargo. <laughs> Nothing against Scott. In doing business. Okay. Well, I guess that ship has sailed. So we love Washington Mutual and whatever. Washington Mutual doesn't have a horse and wagon like Wells Fargo. Why should it's three... not their fault. Why should 3,000 people have to get fired at Christmas time? Mm-hmm. Are you... When are what the firings that? happening? They're happening right now. Uh, that is like week. a parody of a bad news story, that a bank, which by definition has all the money in the world, is Probably firing not. people like a week before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, that just infuriates me. And why should a bunch of people who are, you know, tellers or what? Because you know they're not firing. You're not firing some guy who works in a huge glass office somewhere. They're firing, uh, you know, like one of the hot tellers downtown. Uh, and that just can't happen. So why are they firing a bunch of people at the bank? Why are they being punished? Because some other people have decided not to pay back money that they owe. Well, the same thing happens all the time. I, mean, I know. People at the top are affected. I, I know, but it just seems especially wrong for a bank to be doing it. And it seems, in other words, I, I know that it sounds like I'm being unduly angry about this, but this does. Well, I mean, you would expect it from a mean bank, but, but not a nice bank. And like I wouldn't. Washington ex- Mutual. And I know that it sucks to be fired, but I wouldn't expect this a week before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, don't you just think like, isn't that just sort of general common? What's the word? Courtesy? Decency? That you just don't fire somebody like a week before uh, the holidays? You know, you, you, do, it, do it on January 5th. Talk about communists. Do it on, do it on the epiphany. Um, so, I just, the whole thing. And then also this, the fact that the bank is, as you said in the story, willing to, quote, write off $1.4 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. In debts that people are apparently just deciding not to pay back. No, they don't have it. And they've been borrowing out of their credit cards to pay their mortgages. Yeah, but I mean, but then it's a vicious circle. So they're willing to absorb the the billion and a half dollar loss from the people who have these uh, these outstanding debts, and yet, uh, you know, they're going to sack the employees who are coming to work presumably every day and doing a fine job. Mm-hmm. That money can't be absorbed. That's right. just you've got to you've got to. That's just got to be stopped. That paying employees. All right, I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound. It's no, just, I, I, I understand. It's just very Mr. Potter-like. Yeah. What that is. All right, fine. So whatever you do right now, don't save your house at all. Hang on to it. That's advice from someone who knows. Uh, Albertsons is recalling bean soup in several states, including Oregon, because it has glass in it. So if you're having it for lunch right now, empty it in the garbage disposal. Extra crunchy. Mm-hmm. Who is this from? Albertsons. Albertsons. Well, their prices are sky high anyway. We don't have anything there. They don't have an apostrophe in their name. No, they took it out. FM. To save money. Yeah. Uh, former executive, oh, let's talk about executives then. 
A former Tonka executive with Schnitzer Steel, Schnitzer, they're locals, uh, ha- has agreed to pay over a quarter million dollars to settle a lawsuit for authorizing almost two million dollars in bribes to Asians. Uh, they say 60-year-old uh, Philip W. Philip, just a Asian everywhere. Philip, yes, you, sir. All right. Uh, apparently offered illegal payments to Asian steel mill managers, so they purchased uh, Schnitzer scrap metal, generating 596 million dollars in sales. So. The punishment for this guy, who's at the very top, who generated $596 million in, in illegal sales, is $250,000. <laughs> That's the punishment. And he gets to keep his job. God now, bless he, has, he has neither admitted or denied the allegation as part of a civil settlement. But he can still face criminal prosecution. And you know he'll do some serious prison time, Oh, don't of course. You? Oh, absolutely. Executives always get the hardest sentences. So that's that. Well, let's talk about this uh, latest teacher accused of having sexual relations with a minor in Rainier. Is this the... Wait, now, is this the Wynn woman? No, this is a new one. Jesus, I can't... we got to get some sort of a, a score. And, like and one of those... she is 39 years old and not even hot. we got to get a, like an NCAA bracket to keep track of all of this teacher sex going on. Well, this one is uh, Jan Gleaves. Can I just... 39. Can I just tell you, you know, you know what you talk about teacher sex. Sarah knows what that reminds me of. Teacher sex. Were you listening yesterday about, to that story when he was... At the uh, Swingers Club? <gasps> we, of course, will reveal no details about, oh, about anybody or anything any, any, anything teacher. like that. Oh, but, there's a uh, teacher at a sex club? I didn't say that, Tim. No, no they would never do any such thing. They would thing. never know. Teachers are pure as the driven snow. They wouldn't even be involved in... Oh, can we even say? No. No, see, we can, but I don't. Okay. That phrase, well, that was the most disturbing phrase that kept popping up all day. That phrase that kept popping up yesterday rhymes with ang-ang and... Or Chang Lang. Chang Lang. Chang Lang. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's not even look, worth looking at, really. You're a chain gang. <laughs> this is like that. Uh, boy, she's one. sort of scary looking. Yeah. I like, well, she's from Rainier. She's probably Miss Rainier. <laughs> um, she is... I don't even think she's a teacher. She's an instructional aide. She's instructing in the language of love. She's booked on four charges, giving liquor to a minor, sexual abuse, and, in the third degree, contributing to sexual delinquency and endangering the welfare of a minor. Uh, apparently, this uh, boy's uh, parents noticed uh, inappropriate postings on the uh, the kid's website, the MySpace, and alerted authorities. You know, the real crime there is that eyeliner she's wearing. Well, that's true. See, uh, this happened uh, at the end of the show yesterday, but I wanted to bring it up again, because it's making national news, and it's from Gresham. Really? Yeah. A Gresham tow truck driver has been oh, arrested yeah. after officers said he tried to take revenge against a citation by towing away the officer's squad car during a domestic nah, call. Nah, nah. This happened at the uh, the beautiful apartments at Northeast 23rd when one of them was dispatched to another call. But leaving the scene, they noticed a tow truck cooking up one of the patrol cars. They say they told 32-year-old Gerald Smiverson to release the, uh, the tow hold, but he complained about a previous ticket, locked himself in the tow truck, and refused to talk to the cops. Uh, then they said uh, he called his dispatch and asked for help from another police unit. The towing supervisor was eventually called in to defuse the situation and help the police. He's charged with interfering with police and criminal mischief. Boy, can I just tell you, though, that how satisfying would it be to do that? I mean, I'm not advocating that behavior or condoning or promoting or endorsing or encouraging it, but I'm just saying how deeply satisfying would that be? How satisfying would it be when you see one of those little those uh, the retarded three-wheeled ice cream wagons that the meter maids drive around in? How satisfying would it be just to hook up some things and tow that away while the guy's out walking around? 
while the guy's bulging out of his fat-ass docker pants going around issuing tickets to people who are trying to shop. I just, you know, hook it up. He comes back, big empty space where his little uh, tricycle thing used to be. That would just be gratifying in just the deepest place. I, my friend Todd has this whole fantasy about someday, sort of Bruce Wayne style, having enough money to design a tow-proof car. That is, so, like, when he parks, he'll just go, like, shields, you know, and then, and things come down, cover the, cover the car, go all the way down to the ground so it cannot be towed, so that you can't get anything underneath it. And just, you know, just leave it there. So, someday, that's what I'll work on. Oh, speaking of, uh, not to get sidetracked, speaking of Bruce Wayne, I, of course, and I think I speak for all of us here, I don't know anything about that copy of the trailer for The Dark Knight, which has surfaced online in many places, and which is the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. It looks so good. Heath Ledger is the best Joker ever. Already he's the best Joker, and I've only seen like 30 seconds of him, and he's the he best Joker. He messed up. And as Aaron said, he is an even better Joker than Mark Hamill. Uh, and that really is saying something, because Mark Hamill was the gold standard for years. Uh, certainly better than the, the Jack Nicholson, who was terrible even then and who looks even worse now. So, uh, in your face, Jack Nicholson. Here's Tim Riley. A Chehalis man accused of lying to flood relief workers has been jailed for investigation of theft. The Lewis County Sheriff's Office says 42-year-old Ted Cherry Jr. has been arrested after his stories were questioned by United Way workers. Uh, he had claimed that a 20-acre farm was destroyed and he lost everything, including his animals, and an antique piano. United Way gave the man clothing and cash cards for groceries and gas. One volunteer used his own credit card to pay for his hotel room. The sheriff said that Cherry told detectives uh, once he started lying to United Way, he couldn't stop because they were so sympathetic. And fun. Uh, and by the way, speaking of piano players, uh, two things. A, so uh, a week from today, next Friday, we will be doing our Rick Emerson uh, holiday extravaganza, uh, some live uh, holiday music in the studio, uh, surprise guests, and then, of course, uh, all climaxing at 2 o'clock with the production of a live radio play. That'll be one week from today. Which we have in our hands today. Yeah, I, the script is finally done. Joni got the script done. Uh, and so just to give credit where credit is due, so the, the story was uh, Joni DeRoshi, Todd the Corpse at Workhoven, and myself, and then Todd did the first uh, pass, and then Joni and I sort of did a second draft of it. So the script is done. The script is being handed out to those who are involved. I have heard back from most of the people uh, who are going to participate. Uh, Dave Lee, former Nordstrom pianist, will be in the studio doing music for the live radio uh, production. Um, and then, so, but, but a couple of days ago, so I was at that the Pioneer Quarter Square. What is the actual name of that mall downtown? I thought it was Pioneer Pine. Place. Pioneer Place? Oh. I always get it confused with the thing in Seattle. Pioneer Place. And I'm walking through there, and to add insult to injury, not only do they not have a live pianist anymore, uh, they have... Did they ever? Well, I, 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 you would think, I mean... Like at some point, because that Pioneer Place or Nordstrom Pioneer Place. Oh, I'm this is out in the sort of communal area where the tree is at Pioneer Place, because there's all this hubbub about Nordstrom getting rid of their pianists and going to to Muzak. So to add insult to injury, downtown, not only do they not have a live pianist, they actually have like one of those, you know, like a player piano thing, where it's like a full size piano. It's either like the full size grand piano. Sitting there playing by, you know, it's like it's been automated. So they've clear channeled uh, their in mall music. And you sit and look at the piano, and the keys go up and down, and the pedals go up and down, but there's no one sitting there. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just the unkindest cut of all. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Then there's this uh, 27 year old Hillsborough fellow accused of giving underage girls ecstasy in their soft drinks before raping one of them. Oh. 
stop laughing. I know. I just the phrase giving girls ecstasy. It was sort of amusing, and then. And it all went wrong. There. Brandon Michael Sullivan charged with rape, sexual abuse, distribution of a controlled substance, strangulation, <laughs> stemming from a December 3rd incident involving 15 and 14-year-old oh, girls. Oh, Jesus. So he invites these girls to his residence at 441 Northeast Birchwood Road. Stop by today, won't you? To watch some movies. During that time, Sullivan, who had given the girls the direct ecstasy and soft drinks, had forcible sexual intercourse with the 14-year-old victim, say the police. After about two hours, the girls uh, took off from the location and went home. Later that morning, they uh, reported the crime. The same day, Sullivan was contacted by police and arrested on unrelated drug war charges. He remains in custody. Let's hope he's being beaten savagely. Uh, Has anyone ever, uh, all you carnivores there, stopped at Jack's Restaurant in the town of Coover? Cougar? The town of Coover? (laughs) Yeah. Cougar? 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 Cougar. C-O-U-G-A-R, Washington. It is a popular spot for tourists. Where? A cougar. I barely knew her. Sorry, that was, I was really stretching for that one. It is a, it is a popular uh, stop for tourists on the way to the main routes to uh, Mount St. Helens. Well, it burned to the ground. Uh, for years, the <laughs> restaurant's been a popular spot for uh, tourists, hunters, anglers, hunters, trappers, and climbers. I like how you uh, dangle. There's too many. I knew, barely knew her to even try that. I, I like you dangle the restaurant in front of me as a great place and then snatch the hope away by telling me it's been reduced to a cinder. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, so uh, during the winter season, the climbers' permits are required and available free of charge. At at uh, Jack's Restaurant. Which isn't there anymore. No, it burned down. There is a great place uh, on the way to St. Helens, though, that just says Eat. And I do love those places. And I actually stopped there with Laura. The name of it is Eat? I think so. I think it just says Eat, and it blinks occasionally. And uh, Laura and I went there on the way to Rockfest and uh, had just a thoroughly terrible grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, it was terrible, but in exactly the the right way. And with, like, crinkle-cut fries. It was really good. Eat. Uh, eat. Oh, that's exactly what it was. Where shall we? Because it answers the question so simply and elegantly. Well, honey, we're going to Rockfest. Where shall we eat? And then, bam, like a beacon out of the mist. Uh, there it is, uh, giving you the answer. So we went there, and it was completely terrible and wonderful, with boomerang formica. It was really great. Um, but it's, it's like that McFinnemans I like to eat at over by my house. They burn the food every time. But you know you're going there for that burnt flavor. Oh, exactly. No, there's, there are certain places where the food is, by any conventional standard, mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. And yet it is strangely appealing. Yeah. Cornelius Roadhouse, they burn my food every time, no matter yeah. what I order, but I love it. Yeah. And, and I know like, that's what I'm getting when no I No matter go. what you ask for, it's a bunch of singed mush. And there are different waiters and waitresses every time. You know when they say, see you next time. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> You're not going to be here next week. It's like working upstairs. Um, the uh, it, What's like going up, you know, my father's place is the same way. In fact, most sort of bar restaurants are like this. My father's place, don't get me wrong, I love that place. If they ever try to get rid of it, I will chain myself to the doors. I will lie Arthur Dent style in front of a bulldozer to save that place if I ever have to. I'm just I'm issuing notice now. You know what? And that one time I went there, the waitress was extremely honest. I said, "Is this muffin fresh?" She goes, "Are you kidding? This is my father's place." (laughs) I enjoy the honesty, and that earns a tip. That is what makes that place so great, though. Is it's just, and I mean this with love. I really do. My father's place is just. Horrific in every conceivable way. Oh, God, the things hanging from the ceiling? Not that everybody hasn't been cleaned in like 80 years, but it's just wonderful. I mean, I will never... Yeah, if they ever try to get rid of that place, they have to go through me. Um, but, you know, the coffee there is among the worst substances I have ever tasted. And you know what? But Joni and I go there, and just, and I'll put down like 80 cups of that coffee. Well, and you can you can drink 80 cups in a row. Why? No real coffee in it. Mm. It's just sort of a dirty tap water kind of taste. But it's wonderful. I mean, and I know this doesn't sound like a compliment, but if you've gone to some of these places, that are great and awful, you know exactly what I mean. Uh, probably 
Well, you know what? Here's the, here's the latest example. The Christmas uh, play that we're going to be doing next week uh, was largely written. The story was written at my father's place. Um, remote Control was written at my father's place. Bigger Than Jesus, written at my father's place. I mean, the and every time you go in there, I mean, the odds are about one in three that you'll see Joni and I writing somewhere because it's the only place we can ever write. It really, we can't, our, our, our talent sort of doesn't work anywhere else. So, I love that place. And Jack's. You know what else I love is the town of Vader, which is on the way to Seattle, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to Seattle, you pass through Vader, and I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to stop and have my picture taken next to a sign that says Vader. And I never have. There's Vader. a great little ice cream place there. It's like a tasty freeze sort of thing. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, so that place is gone. That place is gone, too. And you know what's another weird place? It's always humming with activity. And it, it's not that you can't drive five more minutes to get to a better place. There's this hamburger joint at Skyline and Burnside. This old cinder black place that looks like it used to be a car hop. Where's in the middle of nowhere. Skyline and Burnside. I'm trying to picture it's, it's it. It's in the West Hills. Keep going up Burnside. Go up the hill past the cemetery. And then you come to the intersection uh, of uh, Skyline, where all the uh, fancy houses are. Mm-hmm. There is this broken down old cinder block burger place, and it's it's always teeming with activity. Really? It's it's no more than like five minutes away from someplace better, but apparently the food is good enough there. Is it legitimately old, or is it new to look old? No, it's old. See, I love the places it's that 60s are... It's 60s old. Le- see, the places that are... Le- okay, get now we're talking about... We can do a whole thing. You know, this is... Where and I'm going to go to that exhibit this week. Oh, oh the GI Dream? I, I, well, I have to see that medicine cabinet with the, uh, the slot with the razor blades. That's a selling point for me. Well, I don't... Well, to be fair, I don't know that they have that. I don't know that they have that because they have, they don't have a bathroom. They have a scale kitchen. What's in the kitchen? Uh, you know, it's like the, 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 this is they have uh, the, the sink and the toaster and the, the, the you know and uh, um, you know the, the, the various devices and they have a whole actually a whole row of hand appliances like blenders and whippers or whatever it is. Well, I'm going anyway. Okay, but the weird thing is, and I guess it's not so weird. I was talking to Laura about this, and my mom was fairly uh, old when she had me, I mean, as far as as far as child rearing goes. Uh, my mom is. Older than I think most moms for someone my age. My mom is 70, Jesus, 70, what year is this? 2007, my mom is 71, going to be 72. So my mom was, I guess that would, what, 37 or something when she had me? Uh, 41 when she had my brother. 42, actually, when she had my brother. Uh, so my mom, you know, you know, got a little bit older and got started, you know, or kept going, having kept having kids till later in life. Um, and my mom got married for the first time in 1950. And um, anyway, long story short, growing up, uh, we were at that GI exhibit. Growing up, we had the toaster that they show in that kitchen. The, the, the toaster that they show in the GI Dream scale kitchen was the toaster that I had as a kid, which was freaking me out. Like, Lara had to pull me away from it. It kept giving me like a brain warp because I would look at it and I would just go like, how is it possible that I grew up with the GI Dream toaster? And it's just that my parents were cheapskates and never threw anything away. And my mom had gotten married in 1950. Uh, and just and just kept everything, um, but uh, it it is pretty great though. It's uh, it's it's cool, and um, yeah, the uh, the scale living room is kind of is kind of great. There's like one of the TVs with a big knob inside that gets like chunk chunk like three channels, and it's at the Oregon History Museum. So um, so there's that. Um, seems like I was going to say something else. Oh, burger places. So um, no, wait, oh. I was just going to say that we are in kind of my wheelhouse here, talking about sort of trashy restaurants. Okay, there is a place on, um, uh, let's see, I think it's on uh, Foster and about like 85th, and um, a place you would never, ever <laughs> go. Like, I can already see you like checking it out, like never go there. Well, no, I usually don't cross the bridge. No, of course not. Uh, it is called the Maple Leaf Restaurant. Has anyone here eaten at the Maple Leaf? Mm-mm. Oh, God, it's oh. terrible. It's so great, too. It is just 
I mean, it, it's just unbelievably tacky. And, and you know what it is? It's not just tacky. It's chintzy, which is a word you don't hear a lot these days. It is a chintzy little restaurant. Uh, and, again, just a terrible greasy food and just wonderful. Just fantastic. Little knobbly plastic glasses with ice in them. I mean, it's just, uh, it really is great. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hi, is this you? Hi, this is me. Hey. Hey, Skyline Restaurant. It's the one he's, uh, Tim's talking about. Yeah. It's a pretty good place, and it is old school. If you walk in there, it's like late 50s. Yeah, see, I love it's... places like that because, you know what, those are so much better than, like, some stupid, like, 50s sock hop-themed diner which is trying to look like American graffiti. And those places are just retarded. Uh, it's old, and it's, it's even got the old drive place where you used yeah, used the to car hops. And drive under really? The yeah, yeah, the original car hops. But I don't think they car hop outside anymore. Just no, bad. they don't. They don't do it outside anymore. And by the way, a while ago you said Pietro's Pizza was closed. That place is still open. Well, there's is, it, well, there's it, there's one in Milwaukee with the weird sign that's like a rolling pin holding a pizza or something. And then I think the one in St. John's is gone, but the one in Hood River is still open too. So if you go to Hood yeah. River, home of Chuck Palahniuk, uh, you can eat there. Oh. Chuck, of course. Yeah, so uh, the Hood River uh, Pietros is still open, and it's right by it's right across the street from a store that sells incredibly expensive dog things. So there you go. Thank hey, you. Thanks, Bye now. All right. Uh, fantastic. Pietros, Skyline. I was going to make some other observation. Couldn't have been that important. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about that unconscious man dangling seven stories almost to his death unconsciously. Emergency workers rescued the man who was trapped in his car after it went over the railing in a parking deck and dangled seven feet above the ground. Make that seven floors. Steel cables on the side of the parking. I caught the car, but all four wheels appear to be free of the parking deck. To reach the car without dislodging it, emergency workers went to the parking deck's top floor, one floor above the car, then rappled down the side of the building. Then a firefighter broke into the car's passenger side window, securing a harness around the driver, pulling him to safety. The airbag did deploy... But the man hit his head on the windshield, knocking him unconscious and keeping him still while this rescuers on the scene studied his precarious situation. Stressing me out. It looked like he sped up on the ramp and then went right through the wires. The wires did what they were supposed to do. He was taken to a hospital. Meanwhile, an Arizona man has accidentally shot himself in the buttocks. Uh, this happened in uh, Scottsdale. The man inadvertently shot himself this morning... Uh, Daniel Leatherman, who's 26, heard a disturbance outside his apartment and saw a man he knew fighting with a cab driver. So Leatherman told the police... Daniel Leatherman? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the man, Cody Nunn, had assaulted him in the past, so he grabbed his gun and went outside. Leatherman told police he accidentally dropped the gun while hiding it behind his back and shot himself in the derriere. Uh, Nunn and Leatherman's friend took him to a local hospital. When police arrived, Clark said none was drunk and disruptive. He was arrested on suspicion of disorderly conduct. His neighbors, Victor Willis and Felipe Rose. Derriere French for ass? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, well, that sounds like an obvious question, but I don't really know the answer. So there's French for buttocks. Here's yeah. a word. Let me ask you this. What does this mean? What does the word décolletage mean? I don't know. What mm. concept? I believe it's your bosoms, or perhaps more specifically, not, not yours. It's, it's, for, it's French for Tim Riley's bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> like John Brown's body. Um... I think it might actually be French for cleavage, but I'm not entirely sure. I hear that. That's a word that you sort of see. You ever, like, you, like you read a book and there's a word you see every so often, and the context sort of like lets you kind of figure it out 80% of the way, but you're never really confident enough to use it out loud in a sentence yourself. Like you can sort of puzzle your way past it, and you, maybe you make a mental note like, I need to look that up. And then, of course, you always forget about it and you never do. Um, so, décolletage, and it has like an accent mark over it. Well, somebody will tell us. 
let's do a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. 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 I was calling about the Maple Leaf. Yeah. I, uh, well, we used to go there all the time, uh, me and my wife, and uh, drunk. we got, got an, an, an orange juice from there, and it was expired. And I told the waitress, I said, this is, this is expired juice. It's how did you know it expired? How, how did you know it was expired? It was one of those individually dated little... Uh, oh, it was like a little carton, and it said, like, ought five or something. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so she takes you, oh, I'm sorry, and she takes it back, and then she brings out another one that's expired. <laughs> like, all right, that's, that, 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 well, that's enough tries for one time. Yeah, but you know what, those are just, those dates are just guidelines. Yeah, basically, you well, know. They're just there to make you feel better. It's, you know, you, you can you can drink this up years after the fact. As long as there's no chunks. That's you know. what I'm saying, sir. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You're going to inadvertently right. make people sick because they don't realize that you're stupid. You know. <laughs> oh, I think they realize that. I think nothing has been made more clear to them over really the years. You get sick from eating, from drinking rotten orange juice. Oh, that's your story. So they say, hypothetically. You know, I, uh, I don't believe you have the, uh, I don't believe you have the educational underpinnings to say that definitively, Sarah. I think that's, that's just, that's a All speculation. There's some things they put expiration dates on. There's some things they do not. Did I ever tell you about the the, the story about the Jello, the milk that came out like Jello when I was a kid? I'll tell you someday. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Rick, Mike Chase. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am. Uh, I am uh, fantastic. Thanks for the gas hookup, by the way. Uh, oh, Craig Gas. Craig Gas. Yeah. Yes. No Thanks for giving me gas. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Hey, Holman's on uh, 28th uh, is a is a terrible, horrible spot. 20... I love Holman's with the big back patio. Oh, oh, I thought you said Holden's. Uh, Holman's by the Laurelhurst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got great Terrible chili. food, great atmosphere. And just like Tim said, their chili is great, but burned beyond recognition. Yeah, and you can spin for your burned meal. Like, you know, you have a pinwheel, or they used to anyway. You could spin, and if you got the right number, you get your meal for free. That's right. Uh, Nate Baker and I uh, were working on a thing, and we uh, we had a whole bunch of uh, meetings. There. And I think you can still smoke in there, too. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a horrible place. Uh, one time I was there, and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, you know if the businesses <laughs> really appreciate these sort of backhanded endorsements we're giving them. But I went there repeatedly. So. But, and it's open late, too. I was in there a couple of years ago, and uh, it was kind of funny. The, you know, like in Spinal Tap, they parody a, a sort of an 80s heavy, heavy, uh, heavy metal band? Yeah. Well, the band that they were parodying on Spinal Tap was actually in town that night and came stumbling in carrying all their gear at like 3 in the morning. <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching these guys with all their leather coats and their big old hair come walking in and tripping over their base case and all that stuff. It was just hilarious, and that was the perfect setting for such a thing at, at Holman, so I recommend it for all your... Absolutely. You know. No, it's a fantastic place, too. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's right there on, uh, what is Laurelhurst on Division or Burnside? It's on Burnside. You and go up turn right on, uh, on 28th there. Hey, uh, quick thing about Richie. You're, you know, Richie used to, uh, I know him a little bit. Do you know who he is on the radio? He's got a secret identity. Maybe you don't know this. Uh, is this the, uh, the Credit Yes guy? Yeah, that Bruce Credit Steve dude that you hear in those commercials. He's the guy that goes... I can't do hold it. Hold on, let's hold on. We'll summon him. It's called Sex Panther. Richie Bristol, please, uh, please not come to the studio. We'll have him do it live here. It's quite pungent. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Uh, how are you today? Uh, good. All right. Uh, all right. Please now to uh, to uh, imitate your secret identity. Oh, which one? You know the one. Get out of your car, lady, right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's the other one. No, there's the there's the one where you have the real strangled high voice, the Mr. Richard one. Oh. Mr. Richard, you wanted to see me? Uh, see, but you're, there's, you're, you're playing oh. it down. You're really, you're the, you do that where you go, oh, Mr. Richard! credit yes commercials in here. I was going to pull one, but. And not all of them are you, but there's that one where you do the really adenoidal, like, Mr. Richards! Yeah. Holy yeah. moly, Mr. Richard! 
badass. That's like when you see Manilow and he does the You Deserve a Break Today jingle. That was genius. Do it one more time. Which one? Just the one you just did. Oh, holy moly, Mr. Richard. <laughs> I'll be a okay, good boy from now on. Before I go, just let me go. I'm going to call blah, 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 right now, the way you do that. I'm going to call Mike right now. Genius. Okay. I'm going to make that my new ringtone. I'm going to alternate between that and the Kinnison. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, too. There you go. That's Mike Chase. All right. Good times. All right. Hi, Tim. Let's do, uh, I'm sorry, that, we got a little sidetrack there with the discussion of bands and Mr. Richards and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I understand this Paul Abdul urine story just had to wait. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. No, let's do it now. Right. I can't wait. Uh, Paul Abdul uh, once experienced a theft at the hands of an obsessed fan after a medical employee stole a sample of her urine. The 45-year-old, repeating 4-5, uh, was shocked when her doctor asked her to provide a second urine sample because the specimen she had previously provided was stolen by a hospital staff member. Boy, I just like the word specimen. Why, this is gross, she said. But I was uh, once at the uh, the genealogist. Oh, I got a genealogist in the doctor. In Utah. We asked you uh, to do a urine sample. Where is it? I told him I left it at the reception area. So when he came back, he said, oh, this is really embarrassing, but the man who works here is your biggest fan, and he stole it. Needless to say, he was fired. So if you told that somebody stole your urine, I mean, I suppose it's flattering and sort of a... Maybe it's on the mantelpiece and it's been bronzed for Christmas. How much to bronze this pee? All right. I'm sorry. That wasn't really as funny outside of my head as I thought it would be. It was funny in, the... it was funny in here. Mm. Okay. Who wants to break? Should we play a terrible Christmas song and do a break? Even a good one. I have a good one. All right. Except for it's slow, so I don't know. It's a Christmas in the Northwest. Well, well, I like that song, too. Here's the thing. We've got a good one, like he has one, and we've got a terrible one. You, you all decide. You all decide. I can play it later if you want. I mean, you... you, you well, want... then we can discuss the song that I have. All right. Well, let's... Why don't you play yours? Let, let me play this here. Hold on. Let's see. Where did it go? All right. This is... Um, this is from Rob. Uh, Rick, I recently moved to the Seattle area. They have a radio station that has all the holiday music all the time format that my wife loves. They play the most awful song. It has lyrics that are local and relatable. I thought of you and hope you enjoy the bluesy voice of Ms. Duffy Bishop as she sings this song. Warning, this song will make you want to scream. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Listening in Seattle via 970.am. That is a Rob. All right, so this is Ms. Duffy, Duffy Bishop. Um, I don't even want to give the title away. Uh, because it'll 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 ruin the horrific surprise. So uh, listen now to this song. I'll back after this. Don't go anywhere. Yuppie dreamers, as you cruise in your beach. 
cruising in Seattle's latte land. Wow. But it must be said, the ugliest person who's ever lived. God damn. Those teeth are like, uh, you hear this phrase sometimes, but they, his teeth really are like tombstones that have just been hammered into his gum line. Yeah, you've a, never seen what he looks like. Google Shane McGowan. Google Shane McGowan, and there's this one picture of him that I they always exactly put everywhere. Which one. And it's like he has about four teeth in his whole mouth, jagging out at like different angles. And I, it's amazing There's he like can even... novelty teeth that you buy around Halloween. It's amazing he can even close his mouth, actually. So, last thing I heard, he was living at Sinead O'Connor's house, so I don't know if that's still going on, but I mean... Oh, they did a beautiful duet together. Yeah. Uh, called Haunted. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Yeah, he's really an unpleasant human being to look at, but uh, great to listen to. If you could just <laughs> sort of... talented young man. Just sort of shut your eyes during all the Pogues videos. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, here we are again... Well, the Mitchell Report that investigated the use of performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball mentioned some very well-known names to that game. Among those is Roger Clemens. He may be innocent of the charges of steroid use leveled against him. I never, ever dealt with him in that sense, never set him up with anyone who was a known steroid dealer, HGH dealer. I mean, we talked about it briefly, but I've never known Roger Clemens personally to use any type of uh, enhancement drugs. That's Jose Canseco. They get their muscles from Wheaties. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we have uh, Roger Clemens, who's all lawyered up, and his attorney is Rusty Hardin. He says people have to remember that in America, the accused are innocent until proven guilty by the media. The research tools <laughs> and, the, and the interaction and... 
speed with which we can use the Internet is great, but it also provides an opportunity for kids to use what they perceive to be the anonymity of the Internet to hurt other kids. That sounds like the wrong soundbite. It is. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I guess she was working on another case before this one. It says Rusty Hardin. Apparently she's a popular lawyer. All right. Excellent. Well, let's talk about uh, Christmas shopping because that's what's on everyone's mind, the, isn't it? Just the thing, though, about that soundboard, it almost sounded correct. Yeah. Like for about halfway, mm -hmm. you're like thinking, all right, this is, and then it just, and then you realized with sort of unfolding horror that you were playing entirely the wrong cut. Well done, Metro Networks. What are you going to do? Nah, what can you do? You know, women do most of the holiday shopping. That's because that's what they're best at. That's according to a recent survey by Personal Shopper. Looking pretty. Uh, Laura uh, Silby explains uh, why that is. A way for them to get to find the gifts that they want um, and really the deals that they want uh, to keep them from busting the budget and really be able to complete yeah. their gift list within the limited time that they have. I'm Women are thriftier than men. Yeah, and cooking barefoot in the kitchen. I was just going to say, if only they were better at shutting up. Well, uh, Laura Silsby says she believes that online shopping will continue to increase, and therefore that's where you'll find the ladies. The online shopping basically gives us the convenience of shopping from home after the kids are in bed or from, you know, in our pajamas at night, and it, it really allows us to far more efficiently find yeah. deals and the items we want. Hold on. She's going a million miles an hour. Let me understand this. The Internet allows you to buy things at home? In your pajamas. She is blowing my mind. I am a... Uh... She's genius. <laughs> I feel new folds in my brain as we speak now from all of this information that's being poured into it. You know what? I think we should uh, do a Joy of Christmas since I have two stories. Fantastic. It's another exciting installment of Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas for Friday. A father Christmas is hang up a Santa suit after he uh, claimed he's been sacked for saying ho, ho, ho. Uh, John Oakes, who's 70, says he was fired as a department store Santa in Australia for using Santa's famous greeting and singing carols. He claims his agency ordered their Santas to say ha, ha, ha instead of ho, 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 because ho is a derogatory U.S. slang word for a woman. Uh, Mr. Oakes says, after my shift on Monday, I get a call from my manager telling me my services were no longer required. I haven't done anything wrong, so when I asked why, she said, you said ho, 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 and that is not appropriate. See, doesn't that sort of reek of urban legend, though? I mean, I don't know if it's true or You're not, but... He's standing defiantly next to a Santa suit. Oh, uh, there, uh, which has, in fact, been hung up. Mm -hmm. He has, in fact, hung up uh, his Santa suit. Did you, speaking of ho, did you ever see that, that Jeopardy thing? The ho thing on Jeopardy? You know no. what I'm talking about? All right, hold on, let me see if I can get this here. This is, um... This is a real clip. This is not fake. This is a real clip from. Uh, this is not like a in the butt bob thing, which I guess turned out to be real anyway. Uh, but this is this is a real thing from Jeopardy. And the correct answer, of course, to this question is rake. That's the word they're looking for. Is rake, as in to be rakish or like a rogue. Uh, Less than a minute now. Tool time for two hundred. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. Ken. What's a hoe? No. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? That's terrific. Whoa. They teach you that in school in Utah, huh? Al, what's up? Now, don't you think, I think he totally should have gotten uh, the credit for that, or at least not lost money. I think they actually took money away from him for that incorrect answer because they were looking for rake. But who among us wouldn't have thought of ho? I mean, really, let's be honest. Here's Tim Riley. Part two. Canada's post office and police are trying to track down a rogue elf 
who is sending obscene letters to children on behalf of Santa. The Ottawa citizens said at least ten nasty letters have been delivered to little boys and girls in Ottawa who wrote to Santa this year in care of the North Pole, which has a special Canadian postal code. Return letters from Santa are in fact written by an 11,000-strong army of Canadian post employees and volunteers. That's really? Canada, yeah. They're paid for that. Well, it's kind of a socialist. Country. I was just going to say, boy, Ivan marches on. That's 11,000-strong <laughs> army of Canadian post employees and volunteers. That is kind of cute, and especially that they have a zip code for Santa. We firmly believe there's one rogue elf out there. Canada's post office popular right to center program, which last year delivered more than a million letters to Canadian children and around the world, has been shut down until the offender is caught. So what does he? What does he say? Just, you know, say. I will be giving you leukemia. I just I don't understand. Well, all right. Well, he's a rogue. He's Haiti the elf. Mm. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I got a comment about uh, Shane McGowan. Yeah. Uh, did you ever know the East Avenue Tavern on East Burnside? Uh, I don't think so. No. It was a, a, a very, very Irish pub, and it was it was open until probably about 96. Please tell me he vomited once there. Uh, no, 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 no. But right. uh, I was there on uh, St. Patrick's Day in, like, 95, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a small pub, but uh, they had a bunch of uh, games and contests, and one of them was they put a, a enlarged picture of Shane McGowan on the dartboard, and we threw darts at it, and uh, the game was called Pin the Tooth on, on the McGowan. <laughs> well, he... I mean, I don't know if you know the one photo we're talking about, but Shane McGowan from the Pogues, who really are, I'm not like the hugest Pogues fan, but they're really, you know, they're great. Uh, that one? That, uh, no, that's not, see, that's, that's not, not even the one. That's, that's him younger. That's that's where his teeth are just skinny. That's not, His teeth aren't flat-out vile at That's that when point. he was in high school. That's when he was still a relatively good-looking man, Sarah. You don't even know. Okay, okay now i got to find this one photo. But there what is this photograph of him. This one. No, that's not it either. Hold on. Let me find it. Now, see, now I feel like I have to find it and show it to you. Um, yeah, he's just really, let's see, McGowan, he's really just unbelievably uh, off-putting, though. It may have been the same one they used for the dartboard. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right. Bye now. All right. It has to be this one. No, that's not. <laughs> you realize what a sad comment on Shane McGowan that you found three different photographs. no teeth. It's all gum. That you are, con you are convinced are the worst photographs ever taken. All right. Now, see, I'm not going to find teeth? it. Well, I... Because he doesn't have any in that one. Well, see... I guess what I don't understand about Shane McGowan is he's relatively successful as a performer. Like, you know, and he's got a lot of fans. I mean, look, let's put it this way. We're moderately... No, that's not it either. We're moderately successful at what we do. And, you know, the people like like to give us stuff sometimes. They'll say, hey, Tim Riley, I dig your news. Have a thing. And they'll give you something. A new you car. Know, he could get his teeth fixed. I mean... Like I saw, I was watching this Motorhead documentary the other day, and uh, Phil, Filthy Phil Taylor, who was in Motorhead kind of in the Ace of Spades days, it's Phil Taylor, I mean, he was in Motorhead, and then he, you know, he did a bunch of other stuff, and he's still recording, and I mean, it's like, and, and his teeth are unbelievably bad. They're not Shane McGowan bad, but they're bad. And you're thinking to yourself, like, is it part of the image at this point? Like, well, and I got my teeth fixed, they wouldn't know me. So, then, me bad teeth or me calling card, and or whatever. So, he's just deciding to leave them bad, I guess. And the weird thing about Phil Taylor from Motorhead is that... Oh, wait, here we go. Here it is. All right. Yeah, I gotta... Uh, it's the one on the left. All right. Now, it's not in color. It's in black and white, but it's the one on the left. Oh, yeah. I had that on my uh, blog one. Yeah, right there. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, you gotta post that now. You have to post it on your blog now so people know what we're talking about. You must be sending it to me because I cannot find that. All right, I'll send you the link. Um, you know, but this guy from Motorhead, Phil Taylor, is just like, 
you know, he's he's dressed up like, you know, a rock guy. Like, he's got the leather jacket, and he's, you know, and he's done his hair, and he's wearing sunglasses, and he's got his jewelry on, and he clearly wants to look cool. And he opens his mouth, and it's like an Amityville picket fence. It's just terrible. So, all right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, meanwhile, Jody Foster's acceptance speech at the U- Women Entertainment Breakfast in L.A. has sparked widespread speculation about the A-lister's private life. After all, she's very concise on exactly what she says. My agent, Joe Funicello, my publicist, Pat Kingsley and Jennifer Allen, my lawyer, Matt Saver, my mother, Evelyn, Saber. who it all, my beautiful Sydney, who sticks with me through the rotten and the bliss. I don't know who that Uh-oh. is. Uh-oh. Sydney. Sydney. Is that a man or a woman? I was just going to say, how clever of her that it's a gender-neutral name. Yes, she plotted it from birth. I'd like her to thank... parents were in on the whole thing. I'd like to thank Terry... Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Well, karaoke can be scary, but threatening? A school custodian's impromptu after-hours karaoke performance prompted a police response when the teacher thought she was being threatened over the loudspeaker. State police in Roxburgh, Connecticut, say the teacher at Booth Free School barricaded herself inside the classroom when she mistook someone singing a Guns N' Roses song over the public address system for threat. You see, she was working after hours and thought nobody else was in the building. But she heard someone say over the loudspeaker that she was going to die. Six troopers and three police dogs showed up and found three teenagers, one of them a custodian at the school, who had been playing with the public address system. One of them saying, uh, welcome to the jungle, into the microphone. The song contains the lyrics, you're in a jungle, baby, and you're gonna die. The teenagers were counted about 15 minutes. Uh, they didn't realize anybody else was in the school at the time, no charges of pile. Uh, Foxy's New Year's Eve plans include... An American Idol champ, an Idol runner-up, and some Mariah Carey concert footage. The network has uh, secured the services of Jordan Sparks and Blake Lewis for the big night. The pair will perform separately, and joining them in the performance roster is the rock band Lifehouse. Fox also plans to use a special uh, debut. This is uh, Mariah Carey's The Adventures of Mimi Tour DVD. A show clip from that. Uh, so you think you can dance host Kent Dealey. We'll share the hosting de- uh, duties with Spike Ferriston. Am Who I, are these people? I was just going to say, I was actually just going to say, am I really, like, out of touch, or is media just um, fragmenting so quickly that it's impossible to know who all the celebrities are in the spotlight at any given moment. Because I was just about to say, does anybody care about Mariah Carey at this point? No. And then you started listing this cavalcade of, I guess, pre- they're presumably celebrities are going to be on the Fox New Year special, but I don't know who any of them are. So it's just a... Uh, I really do feel just amazingly out of touch sometimes, but I don't think that's just me. Uh, I think that... It, I don't think that you are any... I think we have now passed the point when you are able to sort of keep track of everybody who's famous in whatever sphere. Like, they, they would say that thing, like, a thousand years ago, you could be a true Renaissance man. Like, a thousand years ago, you could know everything there was to know about every branch of science. And now, you know, you could spend your entire life and not even have 10% of the knowledge in one branch of science. Uh, and, I mean, so it is with celebrity. I mean, it's like, I, you know, you flip by and you see, like, HGTV or something, and, and you realize that they're doing some home remodeling special that's probably watched by a huge devoted audience, and you have no idea who any of the people are on it. But they all have their own magazine. It's on sale next to the Oprah thing at the, you know, the Safeway. So yeah, it's just a whole lot of weird. Oh, hey, so speaking of um of things on television, so I, I did want to talk a little bit about Manilow. So nobody saw the Manilow special yet? Nope. Now, hopefully they'll be replaying it. It was it was part of what, it was like one of their, uh, uh, 
What's it? You're the sex drive? Uh, sex drive. <laughs> I was looking for free. I think you still think about your visit last night. I'm merging. <laughs> that that <laughs> I'm, I'm merging pledge drive with sex club. Note here on the page. It's part of their sex drive on PBS. We are trying to get 100 people to pleasure this woman. We are only at 75. Please to call. Uh, don't call us. That was me as the PBS guy. Uh, it is not part of their annual sex drive. That's what the Spice Channel does. All right. Um, just a whole bunch of nude operators in front of phones. Uh, so it was part of their pledge drive thing. So I don't know if they're going to be necessarily replaying it right away. Um, a lot of times they play things in the middle of the night they don't tell people about. They do. They sort of spring it on you. Hold on. I'm getting uh, some coffee here. Just one second. Yeah, they do have things on, like they have uh, Victory at Sea on, like Monday morning at 4.30. There doesn't really seem to be any rhyme nor reason to how they schedule things. No. And they'll let, you know, he'll tune on and it'll be, you know, they'll just be doing like a Monty Python cavalcade. And then it'll be, you know, like, are you being served? And then it will just go to like some still shot of like the inside of a swallow's nest for like three and a half hours. And you're watching going, what what am I seeing? So, anyway, so they're playing the Manilow thing, and it's uh, half Christmas special, half, because Manilow has discovered this, this thing. He's doing the, he did the songs of the 50s, which was the number one album, and I think was the first number one album he'd had since, like, 79 or something. And then he immediately, re- he must have just seen right away that, like, he had something, because he did the best songs of the 50s, then Manilow's next thing, it, like, like, a week later, I think, it was like, you know, the songs of the 60s. Now, of course, he's doing songs of the 70s. So he's on tour for the songs of the 70s. So it's that and his hol- and some holiday stuff. And I, I uh, was watching it. I made some notes to myself about this. We'll play a little bit of audio. But the first note I made, boy, this is a frequent topic of discussion on the show. But God damn, has he had a lot of plastic surgery done. I mean... Yeah, he looks like he did when he sang Mandy like 30 years ago. But like a weird robotic version of himself from years ago. And we were talking before the program about, about you know, cosmetic surgery and plastic surgery. And, and of course, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm as vain as anybody. I, I am the guy who actually sat in a chair, uh, you know, for 18 hours at, at one point to have hair added to my head. So I'm no one to pass judgment, and I don't. But I'm just saying, it really is, like, sometimes I think you just, you reach a point where you either have to either go with makeup or go with plastic surgery or get a, a separate person for both. Because I think Barry Manilow is having the same person do his work cosmetically and his surgical work. The only thing I can come up with is that he has this desire to look like a Terry Gilliam animation. Because if you see him now, it's like, first of all, the first note I made of he looks like Lady Aberlin from Mr. Rogers' Land of Make-Believe. It's a whole lot of really pulled back, shiny skin, the still really prominent nose... But he does look like he's been carved out of a piece of really shiny wood. Uh, or Vera Katz. Or Vera Katz, exactly. Like, they're, but, they're the same person. Really. But totally, Vera Katz is Barry Manilow, especially in that mm-hmm. statue down next to the waterfall. Yeah. Vera Katz is Barry Manilow. Uh, but you know what? He, he looks like Vera Katz with um, Clay Aiken's hair and then dipped in Gunther von Hagen's plastic. That's what he looks like. He looks like a Body Worlds exhibit of himself, but with his skin still on <laughs> I don't. I love Barry Manilow. I really do. Uh, I, he's kind of ridiculous, but he's great. He's a consummate entertainer in many ways, because he's fifty. He says fifty-eight. So you got to figure he's in his sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, he said like, yeah, you know, he's reinvented himself several times since the nineteen sixties. And you know, the thing is, he's like a musical cockroach. You just he won't. You can't kill him. He, Barry Manilow has been written off 
so many times. And you know the great thing about him is he just shrugs it off, man. They'll lie low for a while, but he'll be back. And Haven't you, know, you seen the new commercials with him in him? I see. I don't really see commercials. Oh, well, he, yeah, he's just releasing another Christmas album. Really? Mm-hmm. God love him. And it's him at a piano looking like a very... Yes, tight-faced, like, older woman. His upper lip doesn't even move. I, I made this note to myself. His upper lip doesn't move. Looks like Terry Gilliam animation. Um, it, It's like his... It, he's like a nutcracker doll or something. Like, just the lower jaw and just the middle of it moves. The rest of his face, totally immobile. So I don't know if that's just lack of skin at this point or if it's Botox or something. But, I mean, really, there's, like, about... Two and a half square inches of his face that is animated. And then the rest of it is just like a Barry Manilow mask that he's wearing. Um, anyway, see, so Barry Manilow looks like Lady Avalon, upper lip doesn't move. Um, also, this, they will, the way they would do it on PBS is they would play, uh, you know, like three, four songs, and then they would cut back to the pledge people. And it's like some Roger Whitaker looking guy, and then some woman who looks like a low rent Northwest News Channel host. And. Those those uh, OPB telethons, they're the only place in the world where phones still ring like they did 30 years ago. Phones don't ring anymore. That's a really they good point. They only breaks. I wonder they if they bring out those old phones. Of course it's fake. No, but do you, but do you think that they bring out old phones like for the effect? Maybe they have them on the Or do they dub it in? Oh, they might. That's well, a good question, Phones haven't actually. rang in like 30-something years. I haven't thought. They do I... on Oregon Public Television. I had never thought about that. Yeah. So I wonder if they... The public be duped. Do they bring phones out of storage for the effect? Or do they... I hate to think that something on television might be fake. Do they lay in that audio effect mm-hmm. over it, like in the control room? Well, because, you know, you... I mean, we have listeners at OPB. Somebody must know. Well, um, have you... When well, the last time any of us were in Vegas. But, you know, in Vegas, slot machines don't don't put out coins anymore. If you win on a slot machine in most Vegas casinos... It, and it, it, it sucks, too, because that is one of the visceral thrills, right? You pull it, ding, 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 ding. And I don't play a lot of slot machines, but, I mean, you know, I've done that. And, you, you know, you look at it, you know, the one, one cherry, two, three, hurrah! And then there's the flood of coins. And, of course, those coin trays are scientifically designed to be, like, as loud as possible. Now, you don't win coins out of the slot machine. It gives you a little, it spits out a slip of paper that you then remit at the... Um, the cashier and she gives it to you but instead some of the slot machines they give you a slip of paper but there is a digital fake coin noise that they make so you still get the sound and it's creepy because you still get the sound of the coins hitting the tray but you look down no coins it's just giving you the piece of paper so maybe that's how they do their phones it's yeah, very weird the phones ring. so they're so they're going back and forth between barry manilow and then this man woman team who we're talking about and of course it's those like incredibly inflated pbs things like She's like, well, what if I want to buy, what if I want to have this DVD, including his famous commercial medley? And the guy says, of course, let me ask you this, Tim. How much would you expect that you have to donate to PBS to get the DVD of Baring Manilow's concert, including that 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 medley he always does in the middle where it's him singing a bunch of commercial jingles? How much do you think? Uh, that, At least 75 not lower than that. $225. Oh, jeez. Jeez. For just $225, Tim, you can get that Barry Manilow collection. Um... So, before I play this audio, here's this great thing this woman says. I don't know who she was, um, but she was talking to the guy, and they're doing that fake banter. He's like, well, you know, Barry's had a big career. And she's like, yes, he has, including a whole lot of commercial jingles. Uh, Did you know he sang the You Deserve a Break Today jingle? And the Like a Good Neighbor State Farm is there? That's Barry, too. And the guy's like, is there anything he can't do? (laughs) And then they laugh, and the guy says to her, this is, the, this is the worst phrase. The guy says to her, so um, 
are you, you know, because they always do the thing of asking, well, you know, me, myself, you know, it's not just the viewers. I'm going to pledge, too, because, boy, i got to tell you, i got to have one of these DVD sets for my own. And, of course, you know, they don't pay for that stuff. It's like when Garth Brooks always does those interviews where he talks about, well, i got to go to Walmart just like the people and buy that DVD myself, uh, you know, because he's trying to be like one of the common men. He asks the woman, he says, so are you going to be donating so you, too, can get this, you know, brain animal collection? And she says this. She says... We were talking about Joe Mentum and Helicopter earlier. Mm -hmm. She says, well, you know, John, I am a Fanalo, <laughs> so I'm going to have to donate to get this. Fanalo, apparently, is what they're called. Um, so here is this audio from Barry Manilow, and then we'll uh, do some more news. We've got Rachel McGrath coming up. The great thing about Barry Manilow is that he is just unbelievably shameless in the way he panders to the audience, like with his banter. Um and, uh, oh, by the way, Sarah, can you, do you think you have a time, can you rustle up the 20th Century Fox theme? Do you think that's on YouTube? I meant to ask for that earlier. And so if we don't have it, it's, I'll take the brunt of Rachel's abuse for that. But if we can find the 20th Century Fox like that, um, anyway, so, so Barry Manilow does the most shameless stage banter. And as I've said before, the, 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 the gold standard Barry Manilow line, which I see him do every time, I've seen him, I think, four times. Every time he says the following line, he will get ready to play Mandy. And he'll just sort of be noodling at the piano. Like, he won't be playing Mandy yet. And he'll say, you know, I've done all kinds of sets. All, and he says it exactly the same, word for word, every time you see him. He really is from that era. When you hone your act to a fine polish, and then you never change it. You cast it in, in bronze. Like how Dean Martin would do that whole... How do all these people get in my room? Joke every night. Um, so Manila will noodle the piano and he'll say, I've done all kinds of sets from big band to jazz to swing, wartime classics, hits of the 50s and 60s. And, you know, I've uh, got a lot of songs and I've recorded a lot of albums to some of the world's best musicians. And, uh, well, you know, this next song, I guess I've played this song more than any of the others, but uh, I'll never get tired of playing it because, well... This is the song that brought us together. And then he starts playing Manila, uh, M Mandy, because there's first day, and everybody kind of goes, ah. So he does this little bit of stage banter last night, which sort of sounds great until you realize that it means nothing. So he's doing all these songs of the 70s, and this is he's getting ready to play the song, uh, the Neil Diamond song, I think it is, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And so he gets ready to play He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, and he mouths just like the most generic platitude I have ever heard in my life. And the audience, which is all like 55-year-old housefrows, they just eat it up. It's a whole audience of women who look like Linda Tripp, and they just go nuts for Barry Manilow. So listen, listen to this unbelievably mealy-mouthed platitude. Uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll talk to Rachel here. Let's see. This is him introducing He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. We recorded, um, we recorded this uh, other, this wonderful song called "He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother," and um, as I re as I was uh, recording and singing it, I realized what a wonderful lyric it was. It's such a moving lyric, and um, I looked up the, uh, the this, this, this phrase. Just by the way, not to interrupt myself. This is the last interruption. But since this is radio, I have to tell you this: the number of times that he kind of goes. And then flutters his hands like jazz hand style cannot even be counted. Like if you were to have one of those supermarket clickers or something, the number of times that he sort of flutters his hands over his heart and kind of goes and makes a little like lip pursing sound, 
I mean, it was like into the dozens by about ten minutes into the show. Maybe turn to Emily Liberace. We recorded this, uh, other, for... this wonderful song called "He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother," and um, as I re- as I was uh, recording it and singing it, I realized what a wonderful lyric it was. It's such a moving lyric, and um, I looked up these, uh, this, this this phrase, "He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother," and I found that in 1941 there was a photo in a magazine uh, of, a, of a, a young boy. Uh, carrying his polio-stricken brother on his shoulders. And uh, underneath, uh, there was a caption uh, saying, He ain't heavy, he's my brother. Wait for it. It really moved me so much. And, um, (laughs) boy, do we need to remember that today. Huge cheer! I have no idea what I am supposed to draw from that story. I have no idea what the moral or lesson he just conveyed was. The audience loves it. Eating it like it's a bowl full of berries. Well, because they're participating and there's a, there's a pause so nobody really knows what to do. <laughs> they might have had a, a toddy or two. And the band a big sign saying, clap! Sick children and then, you know, look really morose about it. <laughs> I mean, so, kids, remember, when you're carrying your polio-stricken brother through the snow this winter, just uh, have those words of Barry Manilow's echo in your heads. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent. Rick over the phone. Rachel McGrath. Hello, Rachel. How are you today? Wow. Well, come on. Give me give me points for trying something a little different. I love that. All right. Now, how do you do on the classic one to ten scale? Where do you rate that in terms of intro music? Twelve. Ah, see, there you go. Yay. Good. Okay, the long slog is over. <laughs> Our long national nightmare is over. We have found the intro music for you, and you know you, and it is it is both region and uh, and uh, you know sort of genre appropriate, given what you cover most of the time. It is indeed. I mean, I can see those those spotlights moving as it played. You know, it just. Well, I'm right there. It quickens the pulse. It does. All right. Uh, well, let's move from something I don't care about to something I kind <laughs> of care about. Uh, so here's the thing I don't care about, the Golden Globes. Now, mm-hmm. as I was noting earlier, they, they peddle this fiction every year that the Golden Globes are important because they are like a harbinger, a bellwether or something uh, for the for the Academy Awards. And then about 90 days later, we always hear the story that, well, in this case, it was nothing of the kind. So anyway, so the Golden Globes are... Whether they're coming up, if they're happening, if they've happened, I don't even really know. So let's now pretend for a second that I care about the Golden Globes. What's up with the Golden Globes, Rachel? <laughs> well, they, the nominations came out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the gongs will be handed out on January the 13th, live on NBC television. And, uh, well, that, well, that's if the Hollywood writers um, don't decide to pick it, the event. This is, this is the only thing that's going to be really interesting about the Golden Globes this year, actually, is whether or not the writers uh, decide to pick it outside the Beverly Hills Hilton Hotel, where the, the awards uh, show is held. And if they do pick it, then um, it's going to be very interesting because will the stars cross the picket lines? Most of them probably won't. Well, this is... Uh, um, so my question is this. Now, uh, does, does the Writers Guild not affect people who write for award shows? Yes, it does. So all, got... all of the major award shows um, are um, staged under um, a writer's guild contract. So that... who's going to write these then? Well, this is the whole thing. The, the Golden Globes, um, um, which are organised by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, that well, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association are trying to get a, a waiver 
um, from the guild so that the award show can go ahead. In other words, would allow them to put on the show without any risk of picketing. And I, I, and I assume they're going to use non-guild writers to write it because we all know that major Hollywood celebrities can't speak unless the words are provided for them. Of course. And, um, <laughs> and so that's, that's really the situation they're in. Now, it was interesting because um, on World AIDS Day, the Writers Guild um, issued a waiver which, would, uh, which uh, did allow Elizabeth Taylor to do, go on stage and do a reading at a fundraising event for, um, for HIV and AIDS. And um, so the award shows are hoping for the same thing. But, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to have the same weight, actually, because it's going to be a huge... A huge uh, publicity um, coup for the writers if they can stop celebrities um, going through picket lines and onto the red carpet. Uh, see, and as always, I just hope for uh, riots and looting. That really. <laughs> well, that might be because the Golden Globes are also um, infamous for the the amount of goodie bags that they hand out to ce- to celebrities who who turn up to to collect awards or um, or to be presenters or just simply turn up for the for the free alcohol. So it's basically there could be rioting while celebrities try to get across the picket lines to get their goodie bags which are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, fantastic. Well, I hope there's some sort of unpleasantness tonight and that you are there to document every horrifying moment of it. Uh, and then, well, and then sort of that occurs, that just segues into the other thing, which is that, is it true, that, is the Writers Guild, what are they, are they suing the studios? Are they threatening to sue? I don't know, they're saying the studios are negotiating in, quote, bad faith. Yes. They have filed a complaint um, with the Labor, National Labor Relations Board uh, saying that, um, when the studios walked out of contract talks um, a week ago, last Friday, they, they basically were guilty of um, illegal practice, of, of, of bad labor practices, because they walked out when the Writers Guild refused to take several proposals off the table. So they said, look, the studios are just not bargaining in good faith, and so we're going to file this complaint. Um, and the studios, of course, have hit back and said, look, this is just another desperate ploy by the writers. And so this is, I predicted, uh, I think it was earlier this week we were talking about this, that I, I, the writers really do have a very a very fair point here. They really do have a strong case. But I, I think that everybody on both sides of the equation, they are all going to really deeply regret this when it's finally shaken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because people just have so many choices. I think it's going to be like the baseball strike was a few years. It took, the, it took baseball, I mean, you can, I'm not even much of a sports fan, but you can argue that baseball never really fully recovered from this strike that they had years back because the, the American public just felt like... The, it, Rightly or wrongly, the American public felt like it was a bunch of overpaid people squabbling over pennies, uh, that you know, in a job that most people would love to have at half the wage. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. The writers do have a really strong point about being shafted by the studios, but I think this is going to end badly for all involved. Well, it's it's very interesting. I I, I think. Um that you're you're right. I think the public sympathy will will not last because at the end of the day, who wouldn't get their eye teeth to be a successful Hollywood writer? Sure. Um, and I, also, I think the studios obviously have much more money than the writers do, so they can afford to wait it out. And what's also interesting is that you know, if you actually look at the recent ratings for, for the TV networks, uh, even before the writers' strike, uh, viewing figures are, are, are falling; they're going right down, right. which is also an indicator of the way that the the television industry is going and and you know, if, if they're losing uh, people anyway and the ratings are going down, they have to remodel their businesses. Maybe they don't care that much anymore about writers uh, in terms of producing TV shows. It's, it's very, very interesting. The Directors Guild have decided to hold off their, um, their contract talks with the studios until the beginning of the new year. Um, but if they go in, they, the directors are famous for getting uh, their contracts renegotiated quickly. 
um, and getting that business done. And uh, that's another pressure on the writers because if the directors successfully renegotiate their contracts with the studios, um, they could set the bar lower than where the writers want to go. Uh, it's one big ball of ugly. Happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tinseltown is having a great Christmas and Hanukkah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, as always, a pleasure. Have a great <laughs> weekend. We will talk to you at some point in the immediate future. All righty, take care, Thank guys. Thank you. Rachel McGrath, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. All right, I've officially come around at her. I dig her. You just needed to figure out what made her happy, and uh, you found it. I needed to adjust myself to her. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Guess who's number one for autographs? Wait. What? Guess who's number one for autographs? (laughs) I don't know what that means. You mean like uh, Like most valued? autographs? Yes, yes. Uh, Oh, oh, you mean who's the most... Who who autographs most uh, gracious lady? Wait, hold on. Let me guess. Uh, Actor or musician? A 44-year-old actor for the third year in a row. 44-year-old actor for the third year in a row. Brad Pitt. No, it's Johnny Depp. Really? Yes. Well, that's cool. Oh, I just love him even more. Those, those soft-spoken and laid-back. He likes to talk to fans and get to know them while signing. New York autograph dealer Anthony Riesel explains that in the December issue of Autograph Magazine. It's really? Until now, yeah. Uh, the magazine said editors complied input from autograph collecting judges based in Europe, New York, and California. Matt Damon is second on the list, Matt followed Damon. by George Clooney, Jack Nicholson, Rosario Dawson, John Travolta, Catherine Hagel, Jay Leno, Dakota Fanning, Russell Crowe, and... They say Russell Crowe, yes. Wait, so it's a whole lot of people I really don't care about, and then Johnny Depp. Well, uh, Crowe has a history of throwing temper tantrums, ranked among the worst signers in last week's list. But in the turnaround, the 43-year-old actor started treating fans better. Signing, taking pictures, chatting them up. Will Farrow is deemed the worst celebrity signer, followed by Toby Maguire, Joaquin Phoenix, William Shatner, Renee Zellweger, John Malkovich, Julie Andrews, Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis, Terry Hatcher, and Scarlett Johansson. Boy, I can really see uh, I can really see Julia Roberts just being a terrible person. It's kind of sad that Will Farrow would be that way, though. I mean, yeah, always... I saw a trailer for his new movie coming out. Oh, the, uh, where, the, where he's like a basketball player, a cheerleader or something? Yeah, it's the same thing as his last movie on ice, but this time he's a basketball. Well, they're all the same movie. Yeah. I mean, that's... Don't get me wrong, he's he's found a niche and he's hammering it relentlessly. This time it has a uh, total 70s background, even the fonts. And, I mean, unless you're talking about, uh, um, some, what is that basketball. movie he did with Emma Thompson? Stranger Than Fiction. Unless you're talking about Stranger Than Fiction, there really is only one Will Ferrell movie. I mean, they're all the same, uh, which, is, which is fine. I mean, I think he's actually said that, too. Uh, and he's doing, because he did, he actually is working on a trilogy, too. Anchorman, Legend of Ron Burgundy. Talladega Nights, which is the ballad of Ricky Bobby, and then he's doing a third one. Um, it's called his Ordinary Man trilogy, and you'll notice they have the same initials: Ron Burgundy, Ricky Bobby, and the next and final one is going to be. It's like going to be something, something. The story of blah blah blah, and the guy was first name will start with an R, last name will start with a B. So he really has very, I mean, almost like on an Excel spreadsheet, uh, figured out exactly what the people want and how to give it to them. So uh, you know, good for you. Oh, just as a final note on this Manilow thing before we move on, before news here. Most horrifying moment last night was when he it, Barry did uh, the sort of tiger, the sex tiger growl, where he kind of, it, not where he rolls the R, but where he was singing Copacabana, mm-hmm. which is a song I've never, ever liked. I don't think anybody likes that song. My wife loves Copacabana. She just adores that song. I don't know why. I, lots of people do. Whole audience full of uh, full of women liked it, uh, but my wife loves Copacabana. I never, I've never liked it. And Barry Manilow himself must hate it at this point. I can't imagine how deadened he is inside when he has to sing Copacabana. He must just be making a deal with himself, like, okay, let's just 
Let's just do this, and we're going to go back and have some chamomile tea. You know? He, um, but he's singing Copacabana, and he's doing that line about, you know, with the dress cut down to there. And when he does the dress cut down to there line, he kind of gives it like a little... It's that thing where you pull your lips back from your teeth, and you kind of suck in your air a little bit, and he goes, with a dress cut down to there. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like right at the camera. And I, you don't ever want to see Barry Manilow making that face. Ever. Ever. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A lawsuit filed in Multnomah County alleges the staff at a Portland retirement and daycare center dropped the 60-year-old woman, breaking her legs, and left her to suffer for five days without medical care. Then she died. Linda Ober lived at the Gateway Center and Retirement Center in Northeast Portland after suffering a stroke in 2004. Her daughter, Sarah Cunningham, said she learned over Halloween last year that her mother was dropped before being transferred from her wheelchair into a bed. She said her mother insisted she had been hurt, but attendants just gave her painkillers and told her it was just a bad dream. Oh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. She wants uh, $3.5 million. Good for her. You know, my mm. uncle had to have a, um, or my great uncle had to have his leg removed because of neglect from doctors. Really? Oh, yeah. They, they just completely ignored him, and he um, he got an infection in his leg, and they were just checking on him so infrequently that they didn't notice. And uh, when they finally did notice, it was to the point where he had to have his limb removed. There's a staggering number of stories like that that happen. Yeah, we're, we're in the process of suing them still, and it was like two years Good for ago. you. Excellent. All right. Here's Break them over the coals. <laughs> Make them pay. Make them die slowly, Sarah. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Bob, Oregon has $180 million in damages from the storm. That from the Oregon Office of Emergency Management. These figures just came out. They say the initial estimate for damage to homes, businesses, and public entities from a pair of recent storms is $180 million. Really? Don't ask me how they come to that, but that sounds good. Uh, but the total cost to people in Oregon could be much higher when agricultural losses and other damage are measured separately. Uh, Abby Kershaw, who oversees finance and recovery for the emergency medical office, uh, said today the $180 million is an estimate, just an estimate. Uh, she says it'll fluctuate. It's real dollar amounts still uh, come in. But uh, apparently, uh, yeah, there are 13 counties with damage. A Pennsylvania woman who was cited for loudly cursing at her overflowing toilet has been acquitted on constitutional grounds. A Scranton, Pennsylvania judge dismissed a disorderly conduct charge against Don Herb are ruling that she was within her right to let loose a barrage of profanity as her toilet flooded her bathroom. <laughs> Granton, Pennsylvania. That's fantastic. Isn't that where the office is? I, I do is. believe that's where Dunder Mifflin is uh -huh. located. A police officer who lives next to the woman called authorities after she allegedly cursed him when he told her to watch your mouth, lady. The judge said that while the colorful language might be seen as offensive and vulgar and impudent, it is also protected speech under the First Amendment, so go ahead, swear at that overflowing toilet. Uh, let's see. This email says, uh, Rick, I have never been to a Barry Manilow concert. Just out of curiosity, do they have a section for tapers like the Grateful Dead used to have? No. No, they don't. Cause, and really, because you, because every Barry Manilow, like if you, every show is the same. That's the comforting and terrible thing about a Barry Manilow show is it is absolutely, completely regimented. Every single show, if you were to see two shows a month apart on the same tour, everything is the same. The stage banter, the, jo the dumb jokes he makes. Uh, every single thing. I'd like to hear a Barry Manilow joke. Um, well, uh, it, here's a, here's a thing he does every single day. Really? Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's a, this is not a joke so much as it is sort of a wacky line that he uses every single concert. I've seen him four times. He's done this four times the same way. The only thing that changes is the final couple words in this. When he does uh, Can't Smile Without You, which is probably my favorite Barry Manilow song, he does Can't Smile Without You, and he always brings... Just some, just some fat, hideous woman up on stage, who to sing with him. 
And they must screen in advance to find someone who is just like rivulets of sweat. And I mean, just visibly awkward and uncomfortable. And I think it's a whole like, look how Barry embraces even the least among us kind of moment. I think it's a thing to endear him to the other horrid women in the audience. And there are many, many of them. So he will, uh, you know, he'll intro the, you know, dun, 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 and, you know, and everybody, and he'll he'll get through, you know, the first chorus of Can't Smile Without You. Uh, and he will then, his handlers have then already picked out the woman. And so they'll bring the woman to the sort of edge of the stage. Barry will reach down his hand. And, and, and the women, of course, just go weak in the knees for this. And, I mean, which is just, it's weird. I mean, again, I'm not trying to knock Barry Manilow, but, I mean, he's not a sexy man. He's just not. I mean, I suppose he's aesthetically pleasing, maybe, in some sort of... He's an early Ryan Seacrest. He's fascinating enough to get you to talk about him for two and a half hours. I guess, well, he's fascinating to me because he is so much so a throwback to the old school of entertaining, uh, where it absolutely is, where he really is just presenting you like a cardboard cutout of himself. Like, at no point do you ever run the risk of hearing, like, an actual real emotion or unscripted observation. He's like poking his hole through a cardboard cutout on the floor. Exactly. That's really what it is. I mean, it's like watching a Barry Manilow puppet show a lot of the time. And then we'll break after this. Um, But, um, so he will bring a woman on stage with him, and she's always badly dressed, like wearing, like, a a Tigger shirt. Always... On her way to the Price is Right. Exactly. Totally. Always overweight, always, like, bad hair, like, pulled back in a scrunchy ponytail. Uh, always, again, just sort of, like, shaking, uh, like, you know, just uncontrollably at the thought of standing next to Barry Manilow. And then he will, you know, they don't give her her own mic, cause, you know, because she always, always looks like she's about to pass out. So Barry will then, when he gets to the second chorus, he will then hand the microphone over to her, and she will sing the next part of the song, always badly, Always in a voice that sounds like this. And, you know, and then he'll hold up her hand, give her, a, you know, a peck on the cheek, uh, the most chaste of kisses. Uh, and then he'll, and then, you know, then he'll finish the song. And they will keep her at the wings of the stage. When the song is over, somebody has been videotaping it the entire time. They will pop out the videotape and they'll walk over and hand it to Barry. And so the deal is the like, it's like Splash Mountain. You sing with Barry and you immediately get a copy of it on videotape. And he'll autograph the videotape of of this woman singing with him. And every single time I have seen Barry Manilow, he will take the videotape that he just filmed of him singing with this woman, he'll whip out his Sharpie, and then he'll say, okay, thanks for being on stage, love, oh, I don't know, Snoop Doggy Dog. And then everybody roars like it's the funniest thing they've (laughs) ever heard. The second time I saw him, God, what did he say the second time? You know, uh, and it's always like it's always like a rapper. He's like, "Thanks for being on stage. You're a great singer. Love, Tupac Shakur." <laughs> and then everyone just screams it's with ex- like it's the funniest thing ever written. Uh, so every single time he does that, uh, word for word, the only thing that changes is the, you know, like the, the wacky fake like rap name that he's signing it with. So there you go, Barry Manilow. That's amazing. Now we have must watch. <laughs> yes, it's a must see. It really is. It comes up underneath. It really is. It really is pretty great, actually. It's like nothing you've ever seen. All right, are we done with the Barry Manilow? I don't want to hear more. Why are you a hater? Because I've listened to you talk about goddamn Barry Manilow for two and a half hours. (laughs) There are other things going on besides the stupid thing you watched on TV last night. I'm gonna have to watch it tonight. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, we'll, we'll do a little. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Storm's uh, thing when we get back. Uh, let's see. What else? Richie Bristol will be back in the studio with us later. Aaron Duran and all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Solid State Radio. Show though, and you really like. I am typically the only guy there who hasn't been dragged there uh, by some horrid, like Peg Bundy of a wife. The weird thing about that, uh, that the other and final thing I'll say about it before you put my eyes out. We were talking about whether those the, the telephone rings on the PBS pledge drive are fake. You want to talk about something that's put in in post production? Like that soundbite I played of him telling the he ain't heavy, he's my brother story. Voice all ragged, terrible, raspy. Hear him sing, suddenly flawless. And then stage banter, terrible voice again. Singing, suddenly back to like oiled glass. Barry Manilow. As only he can bring you the holiday spirit. Uh, Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Our good friend, Kristen from Accounting. Hello. Well, I haven't heard that in a long time. It's because you don't call, you, you don't, don't write, you don't you stop don't write, by. We never see you. It's like, uh, like you forgot like we exist. all these exciting I, new yeah. things that you're doing. We know nothing. Uh-huh. Well, I... It's okay. It, well... That's all right. I don't feel hurt. But, well, I can't I wait hurt. on hold for a long time oh, anymore. Please. So well, You don't I even did, call. Uh, well... Or maybe re- maybe you call and like Scotty and it, it didn't pass you along or something. But yeah, I yeah, I think Scotty didn't, didn't like me. Was Scotty trying it's to be, true? Was Scotty trying to keep us apart? I think he was keeping us. We're apart. officially changing Scotty's last name, by the way, to who? Scotty who? Yeah. Scotty. Uh, so uh, any anyway. Uh, so anywho, uh, anywho, anywho, I was gonna say anywho, and then it seemed like un unfunnily redundant. Uh, so I, so you were at the storm thing last night, which was I great, sure was. by the way. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, you knew, you know, it's a thing where you know it's going to be fantastic. But um, you know, it's not like I'm just constantly like waxing storms, you know, car in public. But I mean, but the whole band. But it, her it's... car is worth waxing. And bleaching. Uh, it's. Uh... Why would you bleach your car? No, I don't. You don't bleach your car. You bleach your garage, though. Isn't that what? Isn't that the new thing now I, with the women? Is bleaching your garage? Oh Lord, really? I don't even know what I'm. Yeah. I, yeah that you the better thing? not be talking about the porn anything. stars do that. Is they bleach their garage? Yeah. Or the uh, bleached garages yesterday. I'm sure Storm would be thrilled that we're talking about her. Oh, and oh yeah, she'd be. Her or, I'm sure she'd, she'd be, be horrified. <laughs> she was talking about men having relations with a, a small piece of fruit yesterday. Uh, so yeah. you know. Um, as, or as one of the guys who gave us the uh, the tour of the, uh, the the swingers club, he said yesterday, well, we try to make it a real clean and comfortable environment for women because men, 
Well, they ain't humping the dirt. <laughs> he kept saying that. that he said that like three times. Like his go-to phrase. Um, nice. So, but the but it, you know it's very easy for things like that to become you know like the storm show. But the band was. I saw Davy's dad there. Yeah, uh, was, you oh, know, he's the greatest guy. He's and uh, such a sweet. They were really, really good. Yeah. Um, it just uh, and I uh, not to be going on about a thing that is now over, so you can't see it. Uh, but the, the, the couple highlights from last night. Let's see. This is actually a listener who's written some highlights from last night, and then I have one of my own. He says, uh, Rick, to get this observation out of the way, as I believe is now required by law, let me say that Storm is the hottest thing since the Earth was a molten ball of lava. Uh, now that that's out of the room, why did the guy with the big white fro who's like 100 feet tall stand in front of me? Uh, let's see. Here's it's another funny, note. That guy usually stands in front of me. Or he sits in front of me at the movies. He also says... By the way, why couldn't I have come up with three hundred dollars to buy? Did they did they sell Storm's panties last they, night? Yeah, they did. I must have missed it that was somehow. because it was I, a um, fundraiser. You know, they were trying to raise money yeah. for the Q Center. So, so, the, so some, now because I saw her, she carried him out and she signed him before the show. I was going to say I don't mean to work blue, but did she take them off and sell them, or were these like that she brought out from like like no. a, like a she brought them on a in a in a bag or something. Um, I do have to say because I was standing next to her when she brought them out. They were hers that have been worn, but they had been laundered. Okay. And so <laughs> they were clean, but they were storms. So you know. Okay. And she signed the crotch. Of course she did. Of the of panties. Course. Uh, let's see what else he said. He Not says. Not the winner. Uh, no. <laughs> He says, I'll be home for Christmas is one of the saddest and beautiful, most beautiful Christmas songs ever. I would pay for a CD of Storm and the Balls doing Christmas carols. Um, he says... And, uh, well, just a note, because there, there were a few people videotaping last night. Really? So you is might it be, able be available? To see I don't know. It that is a I don't sad, know. Well, so many of those Christmas songs are just... You listen to... I was talking about Hard Candy Christmas by Dolly Parton, yeah. which you listen to and you don't really think about it. And then you listen to the lyrics and you just want to shoot yourself in the face. I mean, it's just like the saddest song. Uh, he says... Uh, Hey, a large grandfather-like drag queen is reading the night before Christmas. Portland rocks. Uh, what else? Rick, do you think that Davy Nipples' son always has friends trying to hang out at the Casa de Nipples when storms around? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that as a, as, a, as a kid gets older. Oh, Case. Yes, Case gets older. As he gets older, boy, he, he, that's going to be the most popular uh, destination for any kids he goes to school with. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and he, girls. He says, uh, that show included letters from Bill Clinton and Jesus, PC carols, more rock than could be physically contained in one location, the possible mayor of Portland, Storm's naughty garments, and a drag queen reading a Christmas classic. Portland effing Oregon is truly the best place on the entire planet. Yeah, so there you go. So it now, was, what were you saying during the break about Byron? Oh, I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. Byron Beck has a little thing we should read. Um, I will say this. I wrote this. I made this note to myself last night. Uh, you were there, and then I, was, I mentioned this to our friend Kara, who was there as well. Yeah. You may remember some months back, Scotty, who and I were judges at the PDX Teen Idol competition. And it was like an American Idol thing, but it was like Portland teenagers. And they, you know, they sang, they danced, they put on a show, and then we judged. And uh, there were some really talented, uh, uh, you know, both men and women. There were some talented teenagers there. And uh, normally I don't go in for that kind of stuff, but they, they were pretty great. Uh, the, the girl, actually, who sang Ladylike didn't win. Uh, but the girl who did win, and her name was Jordan... Taylor, I believe, but I, if I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, uh, her name is Jordan Taylor, and I don't know much about her except that she kind of reminded me of that Southern girl who was on, I think, the second season of The Real World. You know, the Southern girl. What was her name? God, I can't remember. Where on The Real World? Uh, Jesus, I don't even remember now. So the long one, ago. Well, the first was New York. Was the second San Francisco? I think the second one was San Francisco. 
Maybe I'm thinking of it. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, she's cute as a bug. Yeah, she was cute, and she and she. I don't think she is southern, but you'll know what I mean when I say she kind of looks like she ought to be southern. She kind of has that southern. She's, she's kind of got that farm. Fe- I, I mean, that in a good. Fed, yeah. yeah, you she, know what I mean. Just like she, she's not too skinny. Yeah. She's not. I'm not going to say she's a. But she's like. She's a girl of substance. She just has some curves on yeah, her. She, she was just so cute. And she has the mannerisms so that one would associate with sort of like one of those crop of young country singer girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a you know like the Carrie Underwood type. Anyway, so she won the Portland the PDX Teen Idol thing, and I guess that's where she came to Storm's attention. And so they had her on stage last night to duet with Storm on that song, Beautiful. Oh, how exciting. And Beautiful is, I, I think, probably my favorite song that Storm does. Yeah. And so there's this great moment, though, where if you know the song Beautiful by uh, by Storm and Balls, um, that um, <laughs> there's this line at the end where the song, the story has come full circle, and there's this stanza at the end about, um, you know, all teacher says, I turned that girl around, and there's this line, and everyone says, yeah, I used to F her. Uh, course, they don't say F. Uh, yeah, I used to F her. And so they're getting towards the end, and Storm is singing the song there with this, like, really innocent-looking teenage girl. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said, God, I said, I wonder if Storm is going to scream that I used to F her line with this, like, really angelic-looking teenage girl standing, like, six inches away. And they get to the line, and then the girl herself was the one who said it. They get to the line, and there's just, like, this, this, like... Hot, but innocent-looking teenage girl assume that everybody said, "Yeah, I used to f her," and she screams it, and we were, and everybody in the crowd, <sighs> you know, and it was sort of like a yay corrupting of the youth moment. So, uh, so it was fantastic. Um, it was pretty fantastic. All right, before we talk about the Byron thing, I know you are you've got a thing coming up uh, tomorrow. I do. Um, Pimp away. Well, I have been working with um, one of Portland's finest singer guitarist, songwriter, guys, uh, Michael Dean Dameron, and he has a new band called The Loyal Bastards. We've been playing for uh, earlier this year, and uh, so Mike D and I are going to be playing tomorrow night along with the rest of the band uh, at the Tiger Bar, the and newly the newly remodeled Tiger Bar. The one downtown? On Broadway, and, yeah. Oh, okay, awesome. Yep. I will unfortunately be out of town, but where is it at? It's on Broadway. I it's think like right like, toward the, fr- it, that isn't the front, uh, this Steel Bridge? Tiger Bar. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the Tiger Bar. No, it's the Broadway Bridge. The Broadway because Bridge, Because it's yeah. on Broadway. It's okay. like right before the entrance to the Broadway Bridge. Okay. Yeah, because it is a little bit hard to see because it's just like a storefront. But if you've been to the Tiger Bar before, it was it was the Tiger Bar before, and then it closed down for a little bit, and they the, remodeled and it. And the Loyal Bastards are kind of there. They were like a like an old country kind of a Yeah, thing. definitely. Then, if, if you knew Mike's old band was I Can Lick an ESOB in the House. Right. Um, you know, rock, country, punk so kind of so combo. So the same kind of music. Yeah, he does the same kind of thing. And then, um, but what? I mean, but when he plays with you, like, what do you guys? Well, uh, we do an acoustic thing, just Mike and I, uh, when he plays acoustic right. guitar and I play cello. Uh, but I also sit in with the whole, the full rockin' band. Excellent. On cello, so it's pretty cool. And a, a few people, a few listeners, have actually come down to check it out. So. What time tomorrow? Tomorrow, I believe, starts at 9. It's Mike nine. D's birthday. It was Mike D's birthday yesterday, so this is going to be his party. Excellent. So I think it's just him. He's probably going to do some acoustic stuff himself, some solo stuff, and then the whole band will be rocking out. Um, Alan Hunter plays bass from the Eels, if anybody 
recognize yeah. him. So that is tomorrow, yeah. 9 o'clock at the and, Tiger um, Bar. Yeah. Excellent. And I know, and unfortunately, you will not be here for our I Christmas extravaganza. I sent you an invitation. Like, I'm going to be in Massachusetts. So, uh, so sad because we were hoping to have you uh, do a little something for us. But uh, at another point, uh, I, I please thought, let me know if you, yeah, if you want to do something again. And I thought of fine. you the other day when I was at Cenotopia, by the way, because they had a cellist uh, that does that does music. I guess during the holidays uh, before the movie. Yeah. Uh, so you're sitting there, and they're like serving you your red wine or whatever, and you're like, Actually, yes. and then they have a guy in the balcony playing the cello. My Very my cool. boyfriend used to do that at Cenotopia. Wait. What? <laughs> what? Boyfriend. You have a boyfriend? Uh, another new. Uh, when did this happen? Edition. Well, just in the last couple weeks, month or so. Is this another Wait, guy that we're going to have? What's to... his name? Can you give us his first name? Um. Yeah. Skip. He's actually yeah. Skip. He's. That's a name you can yell at in passion. I'm sorry. Oh, he's probably so listening. I'm happy for no, I'm just saying. He's probably Skip. listening, and he'll Is kick it a, your butt. No, no, I'm sure he would, but I'm just saying. It's like saying, oh, Phineas. Um, does Skip have a MySpace profile? Yes, he does. Oh, let me find it. All right, so, uh, well, well, congratulations. Yeah, well, he's a good guy. All right. And he's a cellist. Is he, he really? Oh, totally. Yeah. All right then. That's pretty cool. Are you going to do like? Cool. A, are you going to do like a cute like like couples performance tour you know, thing at some point? <laughs> the funny thing is, I am so afraid to play in front of him. He has never heard me play. Oh come on. Totally. That's just not right. I know. I know. And he keeps bugging me. He's like, you know, you're going to have to. We're going to have to play together at some point. So. Uh, so uh, tomorrow, the Tiger Bar, Tiger uh, 9 p.m. Let me really quickly read this thing from Byron Beck, and then we, uh, we got to uh, break and get up on time here. So, um, so did he write it to you, or is it? No, this is on his, uh, I guess he does a, I don't know if this is actually in the Willamette or if it's a blog. I think it might be his blog, but it's at wweek.com, willamettweek.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, and so nominally about Storm, but this is Byron's entry from, uh, let's see, from yesterday. And it's a picture of Storm. I think having her hair done, that is her stylist. Okay, well noted. So uh, Storm having her hair done, it says, um, this is an entry about Storm Show. It says, tonight is Storm's largest badass holiday cabaret show featuring singing mayoral candidate and other surprises. Uh, And then Byron says in his blog, rather than hole up in a rehearsal hall, a tipster has informed us that Storm will be joining radio hotties Rick Emerson and Sarah X. Dillon for a little tour of a certain business at the corner of 39th and Powell. That goes for the, that used to go by the name Ace of Hearts. Storm was unavailable for comment, and then he says, points for anybody who can get us a picture of this trio on premises. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. So thank you, Byron. Um, well, Yay. Byron, uh, your I, dream might come true here in just, just like a few minutes. I just like that he refers to you as a hottie. Oh, yeah. Rick's always the hotties. hotties to Byron when it comes down to the two of us. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's true. Byron is sort of the exception that proves the rule about people finding me tolerably attractive. So... Uh, all right. Well, we should take a break here. Uh, uh, so, Kristen from Accounting and uh, Mike D uh, from the Loyal Bastards. Uh, Tiger Bar tomorrow, 9 p.m. All right. And uh, since Be we there. won't see you next uh, Friday, happy holidays, safe travel. Happy holidays to you and all. All right. Uh, back after this, Aaron Duran, top five, and uh, more. You say there's the Rick Emerson radio program. Maybe I'll dye my hair.
say sabotage. Don't correct me. Second me. God, this makes me feel so old. It, it holds up, though. It's a great song. 13 years old, but it's a great song. I can do a whole thing about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which I will not do. Shut up. Well, I'm just glad that metal guys have got their own Mannheim steamroller now. This seems appropriate to bring on now. It's a great song. You know what? And these guys have turned it into a cottage industry. Do you know, do you know there are three different Trans-Siberian Orchestras touring all the time? Milking it for every single dollar. God bless them. This is a great song. This Trans-Siberian Orchestra is an offshoot of a progressive rock band called uh, Sabotage. Uh, and the side project became so much more successful than the main band that they just jettisoned the main band. They're like, F it, we're just going to be a Christmas band. That's where the money is. Paige and Christopher Morris. This is so great. Especially at the end when they really do that, they do it in the full... And not to be one of those, I had the idea first, but I've always thought, even as growing up, that Carol of the Bells was such a powerful song. I was surprised there wasn't a more aggressive version of it, so I'm glad somebody did it. And then they merge it with God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, which is my favorite Christmas song. If you do like this song, you really ought to check out an album called Edge of Thorns, which is not a Christmas song, but which uh, album, but which is this the, the main project of this band. It sounds They're a lot all like instrumental. This. They're not. They do a lot of you know. It's a lot of that Hobbit you know rock. Mm. You know, it's a lot of over the hills and through the mist to the you know the seven seas of rye are calling and the, you know. But it, the music is very like this. You know, Euro metal. God, I remember. The, this is how old I am. I remember being a DJ when this first came out. I was a rock DJ. And no one had ever heard this song before. It wasn't like, you know, a kind of a classic at that point. And playing this, and I remember the phones just, as they used to say, the phones blew up. I mean, you, we, every time we would play this, you'd spend the next half an hour answering phone calls about it. Who is that band? Uh, featuring Al Petrelli of Alice Cooper fame on guitar. Great song. How much longer? 25 seconds. All right, we'll just let it go. Excellent. Coming up here in just a few... Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, joining us. Let's welcome now Dennis Pitsenbarger to the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Happy yeah. holidays. I'm doing well. Thank you for the happy holidays. Is your me. microphone on? Oh, I which one? No oh, he crossed He's on them. the other mic. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you told me to use this one because the other one had been acting uh, strangely, so to speak. Yeah, no, they're, they're both fine. It's true. Okay. Hi, how's life? How are things? Uh, things are good. I uh, uh, actually got an email from one of your very loyal listeners. Uh, Todd the Corpse uh, asked me, uh, about finding a new car, I thought that was relevant to the reason why I usually come on this program. No, and he's he is a guy like myself in that, uh, you know, you know, he's 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 a smart guy about some things. Simpsons, yeah. Copywriting, yeah. Churchy things, yes. Cars, no. No. Well, no anything okay. about cars. Well, he'd asked me he uh, you know, what it came to. He a little paragraph about what he was looking for. The three things he was looking for was uh, good gas mileage, reliability, and easy to maintain and will last a long time. He wants a car that will run that he never has to do anything to or think about. Well, besides maybe a big green mean machine that doesn't really facilitate a lot of easy to and from work status, 
um, or a big wheel. I would say that he's really... He kind of defaulted to the fact he was looking for a Honda or they'd had a Honda now. I don't right. know. You know him better than I do. Um, but I would say, you know, really when it comes down to it, there's a lot of regular uh, GM products that are out there. But if you really want something that even a monkey with a wiffle ball bat can maintain, uh, you got to go to things like a Toyota and just go to like a little Yaris. If that's well, look, I got that, you know, 4Runner uh, that has a, like 197,000 miles on it or something. And when it's not being stolen, it runs perfect. Turn the key, it works. I probably have a key that fits the, yeah. both the, the door <laughs> and the ignition. You and everybody else in my neighborhood. <laughs> well, I've owned several Toyotas. I said there's only like eight major keys yeah. to go with that. But, uh, you know, throughout the week, it was kind of nice to get a, an email from uh, you. I actually counted uh, how many times uh, the weekend programming was ripped on so far on the Rick Emerson. 11 times this week, so I thought I'd... Excellent. Uh, well, that's what we do. I know. I appreciate that. Uh, so what's coming up uh, uh, tomorrow? Uh, well, uh, we'll be uh, preceded by Car and Driver Radio, and I don't know what Alan's doing this week. I talked to him earlier this week, but we'll be talking a little bit about gift guides for car guys. Uh, we'll be talking about the Mazda Miata. The Mazda Miata is a car. It's like it, there's a persona that goes on Miata. You know what I'm treating. Go ahead. Something like that. Or Freud. I don't know who's driving it. But the, a tiger's in the passenger seat. The, the bottom line is I hate it, but I love that car. People, there was guys upstairs, uh, some of the sales guys who drive nice, like, sports cars, sure. luxury cars. And they always give me a hard time because they say, don't say it. Don't say what I know you're going to say, which is I love the Mazda Miata. Because it is. I understand why you love it, though, because it's a beautiful little symmetrical-looking car. And the thing is... You can't drive it, though. No. I, mean, <laughs> I look, you know, there's a, uh, a monkey and a football, a statement in there that you can't say it because yeah. of the FCC. But really, it's it's one, why it's one of the top 25 sports cars of all time. Yeah, so it's yeah. uh, it's hard to fault. And we're kind of in that in you know that intermission time in between a lot of racing. We'll have the guys from NASCAR on, and we're gearing up for a lot of the little tidbits that are coming on the program. We have a thing called Bikers Corner that's coming up. You know, I ride a Harley. I'm pretty uh, tied into the Harley uh, the the community here in the Portland area. So we'll have that and a few other things. But I wanted to get to uh, Todd the Corpses thing and and say that I will address that if he wants to tune in and chime in on the program on the weekend. Excellent. It'll be fun. And we were talking. You got to give. Uh, I don't know if Aaron's going to talk about it with. All the different items you guys are talking about with the, uh, you know, the crazy sex stories that you're talking yeah. about with the, uh, what is it called, ass? The, well, Angel Sensual Social Club. And by the way, now, th you talk so quickly, like even as compared to myself, that I now realize that I don't know what half of your illusions made. Because you were talking about a wiffle ball bat earlier, and then referencing the Miata, you were just talking about a football. Um... Well, I was making a reference to the idea that when you look at a guy that's my size, I'm 6'2", I'm 200 and closer to 50 pounds than I'd like to admit. Yes. And when you try to stuff a guy my size in a car that was made for a five foot six, It's girl, like stuffing a football in a monkey? No, it's something about a monkey and a sexual act with a football. I, does anybody know the phrase that he's referring to? I don't think I hang out with people who have sexual acts with footballs. Zing. No. In your face. Well, I mean, I... I don't I, understand. Wait, should we do microphones off? And he can... No, because I don't want to know. Tell, tell, I'll no, tell no, to Sarah. It's, you I'll know what? Let's make that a later conversation. Okay. I don't need to know. I'm just saying... Oh, okay. Yeah, see, you got it? Yeah. Anyway, so that's tomorrow, 9 to 11, preceded by Car and Driver Radio. I'm surprised you didn't bring up uh, the essential place because of all your references to uh, Brandy and I's uh, bathroom yes. branding. What? Okay. Oh, you no, should not no. call your wife bathroom branding. Please don't call her bathroom branding. That's the name of a porn down. star. I said bathroom branding, as in it's ours, been marked. Um, don't was... refer to marking things. You, you, I got muppet a diaper for that. I wouldn't wear a diaper for that. It kind of, kind of gets in the middle of everything you try to accomplish. I'm sorry, Rick. Um, I, uh, I, I just, just tell me when it's done. Oh, okay. Maybe I should leave now.
Dennis Pittsburgh, ladies oh. and gentlemen, you can hear this unfiltered tomorrow, 9 to 11, preceded by Car and Driver Radio. Always a pleasure, my friend. Um, this is my cue to go. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye, Dennis. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program. Joining us now directly from geekinthecity.com. Like you did by the lake on the boo. I don't know what goes on in that guy's head sometimes. Aaron Geek in the City Duran. Hello, sir. How you doing, That's man? A fantastic sweatshirt. Yes, and here's the thing. Is. I can pimp that shirt because I'm not making any money on it. Uh, <laughs> Geekinthecity.com. I really don't either. <laughs> they are selling the best clothing item ever. And, and this is not just a, a lie. Like when Jay Leno claims he's read a book by some author he's interviewing. I bought this shirt the instant I saw it for sale. It is the sweatshirt from Die Hard that says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho. Oh, I went home and was like, put in my credit card. I'm like, yes. I'm, am, wait, I'm checking the mail every day. I'm going to wear am, it every single day. I am such a nerd. I spend hours just like freeze locking that scene when it comes down on the elevator. Yeah. And I've never designed a font on my own before. I actually designed the font to match John McClane's handwriting with the magic marker. It is badass. <laughs> it is the single best uh, Christmas shirt I have ever seen. It's probably, I, I was going to say, I'll wear it to the mall later and I'm doing some shopping, but it might be too soon <laughs> you know, for a I shirt that says I... can't I, see you wearing a gray sweater. Now I have a machine gun. What? I can't see you wearing a gray sweater. Me either. Me but either, it's so but cool. But that's, that's the thing. is, it's, it's, it's true. You can't make it a black sweatshirt because then it wouldn't work. It, it's got to be accurate. And again, it, it, don't get me wrong. No one looks good in a lumpy gray sweatshirt. <laughs> but that is so cool that, like, the cool factor of it will... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to look like a retard wearing a gray lumpy okay, sweatshirt. Yeah, I'm going to look like, like a big idiot. ball of potatoes. But it's so cool that it will totally overcome the fact that it's dorky looking. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you go to uh, go to cafepress.com forward slash geekinthecity. Or just go to geekinthecity.com and click on the store link. So there you yeah. go. It's badass. Okay, no, I we... did wear this to the store. <laughs> really? Or to the mall. I mean, See, yeah, that's today. what I mean. I can't wear a machine gun sweatshirt to the mall. It it's too soon. It. That didn't even pop in my head. You know, if I wear that in Utah, they'll strip search me. They yeah. will throw me down on the pavement and they will beat my ass. What's great about this sweatshirt is uh, you'll get two looks. You'll get one of just total disgust and disdain. Yeah. And you'll get the total, like, the man fit. You get the, yeah. That's like when I, the dude nod. I wore another one of your shirts. It's like I'm dressed entirely in your clothing. Yeah. Uh, to, to the to the, the well, hair. We can just lead you in whatever direction we want you to dress like. It's true. No, I'm. I don't even like that sweatshirt. He's just trying to convince you to I am wet sauerkraut in your hands. I, I smell my own. I know. If I would buy it, I know he'll buy it. That's kind but of I the thing. I heard wet sauerkraut in my hands, and I smell my own. Yep. I shouldn't have spoken there. Anyway, uh, at the at the Harry Potter release, I wore your I work for Dick Jones shirt <laughs> from RoboCop, and there was about three guys who were like, yeah, RoboCop! <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah is bursting at the seams. There's so much we got to do I know, today. I know. Go. We have time. Take it. Okay, Aaron. <clears throat> yeah. Censor it. Sarah. Tell us what you were telling us earlier. About Jeez, what Scotty part? and the unnamed woman. Well, we can just say, not Scotty, but Scott ah. Daly. Let's Scotty say who? Uh, well, we know who his woman is. Scott Daly is being sued for divorce because it's the happiest time of the year. <laughs> and uh, he has a nice new couch out of it. No, it's true. Why not? Unless they fired him. Um, <laughs> no, no, so, he's, in, he's in one of the higher positions. He's completely safe. That'll, see, that brings the women like catnip, too. I yeah. can't be fired. I'm a manager at a bank. Yep. Uh, so Scott Daly, who is uh, his, uh, sadly, marriage coming to an end. Um, but, of course, the good thing about your marriage coming to an end, get to bang lots of hot new girls. Time to pay. So Sarah, and we have discussed this part in the air already. Sarah, set Scott Daly up with your hot friend. Well, I didn't even set him up. Like I just brought him out after we all went to see um, I Am Legend. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I want to get something to eat. And my friend Tucky and I are like, hey, we're going to this bar. You can come with us. And so my what was friend, her name? Let's do, we should probably give her a, a different okay, name. Okay, well, you pick a name. I don't even remember, so pick a name. Susie. Susie. Okay. All right. So set Scott up with this girl, Susie, who is hot, She's by the way. She's very pretty. She is a looker, yeah. yeah. Susie's very vivacious, too. Uh-huh. And 
Yeah, she's quite a handful, and I could see them getting along. A handful? Really well. Is yeah. she two handfuls? <laughs> <laughs> um, the I saw that one MySpace picture of her where it looks like she has morning sex hair. Uh-huh. That is uh, that's a beautiful picture. So um, so this. I is, wonder if Scott Daly's seen that. Well, that's the thing. You know more than we do. Oh. So go ahead. You, we know nothing. They just keep dancing around it like Scott. Right. Oh, what? Like like his ex-wife's right. gonna get pissed off? Who cares? He should be flaunting that. He like, hey, he should be calling home. Weekend. Guess what I'm doing right now? Uh, <laughs> I'm I told more him to do that. Who I'm doing? Yeah, seriously. No. He, uh, I'm not going to get graphic because Scott has not been graphic. So he's been really cool about it. But he has had, he said that... that well, they, guys don't typically share explicit details. Women think we do, but we typically don't. Well, we do the total, like, last night. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, you know what, guys? It. Guys will do this. Guys will just indicate to a guy friend that the deal was closed. Yeah. It's like, hey, how about that girl? That went out by... You go, yeah. No, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, I, I hit that. And, and then I'll... it's like... All right, well, let's watch Sports Center. And, and then we buy you a beer to, to like, uh, like, good job, man. Yeah, the first guys, round's on me. Guys don't break it down graphically. So, yeah. so what do you know? So, uh, no, he just said he had a fantastic time. He really liked her. They, he said that they hit it off very well. He was uh, surprised how much fun he had, you know, going on the date. He just had, well, because he doesn't really know her. That's the thing. Uh-huh. And he just, re- he just said that he had a fantastic time, and he was looking forward to more dates. So, I thought they had two dates, because she just wrote me and said they had two successful dates. Well, I think... When he told the me that they were about... the the second one? I don't know, Sarah. It was the breakfast date. This will be the one time that I'm ever going to be classy. <laughs> I don't know because know. when Scott... You were t- totally not classy right then by just admitting to the fact that they probably slept together. All I know is that Scott offered to buy me a drink to celebrate. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Well done, but I don't Scott know Dally. the full details because when he told me the story, well, I think I it was right before second I don't need to know any further date. details. Yeah, I, don't, I don't need to know about I the I do know he got a hateful process. phone call from somebody else. He got a hateful phone call? Yeah. From who? From his wife? Ex-wife? No, 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 no. From someone else. From a post-marriage from, from a post, um, quest? Yeah. So let me understand this. Scott Daly, who is getting divorced. Boy, I bet he loves the fact that we have a radio show. Uh, <laughs> or hates it. Scott Daly, who is getting divorced and who probably hooked up with his hot friend of Sarah's, um, got an angry phone call from a- another person that he might have been seeing. That's not his ex-wife. Uh, yes, but not seeing. It was well established that there were to be... Uh, there were to be no emotions in it. It was a oh, long it was time a, for you, it was, long time for me. Was yes. It was I'm a physical thing only. I can say it with the mic's off. It was an, un- yeah. it was an understanding. Like I know who it is. Are you sure? I totally know who it is. Oh. Yeah. 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 Well, this person left a... I believe what Scott told me is like, yeah, I got this phone call from this person. It was, thanks a lot, ass. I had to find <laughs> out about your date on the radio. We're through. And he wrote back. He, he called her back and he says, we never had anything. Oh. <laughs> Baby, you were Scott... Told- Baby. He told her, you were told beforehand that's what it was going to be, and that was all it was going to be. Scott Daly loves them and leaves them, sister, and that's just the cut of my jib. All right, I just got a message from Susie, and she said they did not sleep together. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, what's uh, she going to say that? She's, she's a girl. She's on, no, she's honest. She's and for all of Scott's it. drunken faults, he is kind of a gentleman. No, he, he is. He's yeah. a nice he guy. That's it. his undoing, is that he's a nice guy. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I'm like, Attracted to women who kick him like a hacky sack. Seriously, that woman <laughs> is going to regret the day that she filed the divorce. I, I am uh, yeah. 100%. She's me, already regretting it, I bet. I'm not let me, saying anything. I'm staying Well, let me, let me say this, and then, we, and then we have to move on to something else that's going to be very interesting as well. But let me just, and I, let me say this. Sarah and I concur on this point. Uh, Scott Daly is a really, truly nice guy. and Nice to a fault. I do believe... This is just my opinion. I am not trying to uh, malign anybody. But I do believe uh, that I think that that divorce will be regretted by the person who instigated it. I really do. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I do believe that's a thing that was done for whatever reason, but I think that's going to be regretted. Because she didn't like you anyway. Yes, she hated me. Who cares? It's called Sex Panther. Now. No, it's fine. It's quite pungent. We've preserved her honor. 
Honor. Let's. Uh, Wait a minute. Have we then? Ju- have we just now ruined a relationship? No, it's getting fine. started. It's gonna be fine. Way to go. He's a friend of Sarah's. All right, uh, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. Hello. All right. So, uh, Richie, we got several emails about you because it, oh. we uh, toured. Well, let's take this in order. A. You go to 970.am, the photos of our tour of the Swingers Club are now up. So go to 970.am right now, I say, crashing the page. Go to 970.am. You will see a link right in the middle of the page that says, Rick Emerson at the Ass Club. So click there, and you will be taken to uh, you know a little photo gallery. Uh, where you can uh, where you can then see the uh, you know whatever you, you can I think it takes you to the MySpace page or whatever you can see the the, the photos. Um, so photos of our tour of the Swingers Club are now up. Uh, most of I think the photos I think are, are you know us and the uh, you know Sarah's hot friends who were there. So people have been wildly speculating about this Richie since you revealed early on in today's show that a female um, asked you to go to the sex club with her. Yes. So this is not. Did she ask you to have sex with her? Or did she ask you to go to the sex well, club with Im- her? Or is that the same that's thing? That's implied. Yeah. Jeez. Don't uh, you think it's implied? How well, stupid no. of me. <laughs> Will you go to the sex club with me and then talk? Maybe she just <laughs> wants him to come and watch her what, fornicate cuddle? with other people. Well, either way, it's fun. I haven't quite figured oh. that out. <laughs> I well, of course you figured it out. No, well, let's just back up. So this is somebody we have not met in person. No. It's yeah. somebody we have spoken to on the I phone. I know who it is. Uh huh. How do you know who it is? Because I asked Richie and he told me. It's not fair for you to not tell me that. I know well, who it is. I'll find her picture. Do I? Would I know her by name? Me. She's called in before. All right. But well, you might so, not know her by name. So she has. So she has gone to the, sec, the swingers club by herself many times. Uh huh. And so, did she just call up on the on the call in line and say, "Hey, by the way, do you want to go?" Uh, one day after we started talking. Okay. So this is this is before you even went. This is like last week. Yeah. And did you say yes? Immediately, or did you have to think about it? I'm still thinking about You're it. You're still thinking about this dude. <laughs> it was this girl. Where are, where are your balls? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at you, playa. Um, so, uh, like she's getting some sun there. So she has asked you to accompany her to the swingers club where she has already gone several times. So uh-huh. this seems like a no-brainer. It really does. It's, it's the build-up, though. What build are you scared though. of? It's the build-up, though. Are you, let me ask you this. Can I be real honest? And I and I don't mean to embarrass anybody here. Can I be really blunt? Oh. Are you afraid that in the presence of a large number of people, uh, things might not be able to go as planned or I hoped? They probably won't. I mean, the, <laughs> but, I mean, that's not the positive outlook to go at it like. Well, well look, I've tried it before. Hey, well, I, I, well wait a minute. Why? What do you mean you've tried it before? I've <laughs> uh, you know been in a room with multiple people in a hot tub and where you attempted and then uh, were, were, it what didn't happen? Well, I was in the hot tub with somebody. Were and... other people having sex around you? They were over there, and I was over here. and In the hot tub, or you were in the hot tub, and they were nearby? They were nearby. Any man in the room, and it just doesn't work. And you uh, attempted, and they, you were not able to. Oh, uh, it wasn't working. You're in the hot well, tub all yourself. Well, I got to tell you, well, first of all, two things. A, we have a friend of ours uh, who went to the, when it was still the Ace of Hearts, with a female friend. And he's, uh, you know, I, uh, he's a you know, youngish guy, and I know is uh, no slouch with the ladies. But he said that he was, uh, he was not able to, uh, to get from A to Z. He said that had to happen later at home. Uh, he said it was just uh, he said it was just too weird. Um, he wasn't able to uh, to make it happen. And then he uh, you know still had a good time because he was watching and whatever. But then later he uh, you know had to take care of things at home. Um, so well, I mean, and they have private rooms though. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because 
So even if you don't get to fulfill everything, I mean, you're still there, and this girl still asked you to come to a swingers club, and you're curious. Like, I saw you yesterday. You're curious. Totally. You want to go there. I mean, I and expected you. And some chick is asking to go with you. I thought you were just going to, you'll forgive the phrase, just put down a tent and just live there until Friday. I didn't think you were going to leave yesterday. You were really into it. <laughs> I mean, not that I don't find it interesting as well. I mean, don't get, I mean, I'll be, since we're in the term, since we're in full disclosure mode. I mean, I'm a guy, and so, like, uh, voyeurism just comes with the Y chromosome, I yeah. think. Guys like to watch whatever. Guys are just, you hear that thing over again, oh, guys are visual and whatever. Same reason guys are into porn. Guys like to watch stuff. So, uh, I mean, I can totally understand the appeal. Even if you feel like you might not be able to perform uh, the way you'd want to, uh, it, I mean, if a hot girl is saying, hey, do you want to go uh, watch me at some sex club? It's like when someone asks you if you're a god. When you, someone, say, you say yes. Yes. So, because even if it doesn't anything happen, you're still getting a free show. Totally, and you get a free show, and you know that. How do I put this? And I mean this with all respect. You know that she is sexually open-minded, and that you'll be getting something later anyway. You and you know that. say no. I mean, you're gonna blow it anyway. If you say she asks you, you know, she puts herself out on a limb there, and she asks you to go to this thing, and you tell her no. You can't tell her no. Especially because yeah, you can't shoot her down now. And no let way, me, you can't do it. And Why do we have to go through this? Espe- for hold on, especially because, and let me just say that, that I would be very clear about this. We, uh, as the club themselves do, we take discretion and privacy very seriously, and I don't mean that in a joking way. We would, we will obviously never disclose who this person is that asked you. Um, just like the guy said again, I asked the guy yesterday when they gave us the tour of the swingers club. I said, do you ever see anybody you know, you know, on the outside here, or are you ever like at the supermarket and you see somebody that you know from the club? And he said, maybe. He said, sometimes it's like a nod of the head, you know, or maybe you just sort of, you know, small wave, but you don't talk about it. What happens at Fight Club, <laughs> you know, stays at Fight Club. You do not talk about Swingers Club. That is like rule one through 90. So we will not ever, of course, reveal who this person is. Um, but it is inter- it was worth noting. She called you... And it must have been a little awkward for her to, you know, admit to you that she goes to a sex club. That's just not a thing you tell everybody. And so she calls her. She takes a little bit of an emotional risk by telling you that she is a member of the swingers club and then goes and then asks she you to go with her. She is emotionally putting herself out there in it's, more ways yeah, than one. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, you, you, you know she, doesn't, it, she doesn't really. It explains a lot. She has a boyfriend. So? Well, so. So what's that make him? <laughs> um, I've seen her MySpace profile. It really does not look like the conversation she's having with other men. Um, makes him like a, she has a boyfriend. Makes him a lucky guy. I was what just going to say, you know what, and I would. Uh, they have to have an open relationship. Uh, totally. And you know what, like, I'll guarantee, like, half the people who go to that swingers club are married or together, and it's either, you know, whatever. It's like, Portland's a very uh, open town in that sense, I think. I think, um, you know, I mean, just... Uh, <laughs> I think I think probably you know everybody would be stunned. I mean, if you really I think were able to walk down the street and sort of like with X-ray vision see the people who have understandings, arrangements, agreements. I think it's a lot of people. So <laughs> like if we were all Sims characters, exactly, and see it over your head. <laughs> and it's a whole lot of like, you know, whatever. So you gotta go. You ha- I mean, you. I'm not telling you you have to obviously, but I mean, from my perspective, I think I speak for all men. He must go. You must go. Did you make the AM 970 profile private? Uh huh. Oh, unprivate it. Oh yeah, no. To promote the station. No, yeah, people shouldn't have to join. You should unprivate that. Okay. That your opportunity. But yeah, yeah the got a couple from listeners there. like we can't see the damn sex club pictures. Yeah, <laughs> no, we'll un- we'll unprivate that <laughs> in a moment. Let's get. Uh, hello, you're on the. Go, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi. Hey, what's going on? What's man? up? Hey. Hey, uh, I you know to be honest with you, I was, I was a little bit worried for you and Sarah and and uh, Richie yesterday. Yeah. Um, I I was afraid that you were going to go to that place and. 
Sounds like a Blue Oyster Bar style ambush or something. <laughs> no, 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 sir. But good reference. I appreciate that. Um, but but also I, I'd a well, also I I want to say uh, that Sabotage Edge of Thorns. Yeah, album. it's a great album. It really is. Yeah. Um, one kind of random thing I, I thought I thought you'd appreciate in my most recent trip back to the uh, Midwest, um, the captain on the plane. You know how, how they, they they say the name of the captain. You know before, before the plane takes off. Right. Name was Captain Firehammer. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Excellent. All so right. I, you know, I, I had no fear of crashing whatsoever. You well know? done. Hey, do you you've been listening to this conversation? Do you concur that Richie must go to the club with this girl? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. See, dude, <laughs> come on. All right. Well, why can't she just don't let your fear house? get the better of you. I mean, yeah. you will regret this. I'm telling you right now. If you Seriously. don't go, someday when you are horny and alone, you will regret it. <laughs> you're scared day. to do something even though you know it's an experience. You need to just, you know, buck up and do it. And then call Lycus to create a new Portland promo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Um, all right. We've got a break. We'll come back. More of these called People See, now everybody's calling in about it, Richie. Uh, and not a single one of you know nope. you have to take the not a single one is saying Rich you should can I tell home. you this photograph of Sarah and I at the Swingers Club holding the Viso is fantastic oh I it's didn't strangely like that wholesome also I know man these are some these are really some great photos they are both Pasha's a really good photographer I got to say they're hot and creepy is that the baby room there's no baby room let's dispel oh. that myth right now well then where Storm and I gonna go play oh Jesus <laughs> all right. Do you want to go out on that? No. Uh, hey, check out this photo. How great is that? That's, That's cool. my favorite. That is my favorite photo. Film with me on the bed and you. Sarah the chair. laying on the bed and me in the chair. It's like a full on like 1950s kind of room too. It's. And again, I know it sounds creepy, but it's kind of hot, but it's kind of weird, but it's kind of retro. And, yeah, it looks right. like a postcard or something. It does. A Christmas card. Greetings from 40 years ago. Back after this with Aaron Duran, Tim Riley, all of that. Uh, you said it's a Rick Emerson show. Your calls next. Radio program. Hello. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. And then there's this one where Sarah and I are in front of this projection TV. That's what I made our uh, Rick Emerson show my Really? Picture. I think that's really cool. It You're, is. Uh, and it's, I think, technically speaking, it's safe for work because there's this our porn. Our covering. Yeah, there's this porn being projected onto us because we're on uh, uh, in front of the TV. And you're making a what-me-worry face. I am. I'm totally kind of a, well, here I am in the huge <laughs> sex room. La-da-da. Uh, Aaron uh, Geek in the City Duran has a review of I Am Legend here in just a scotia. We'll talk about Film Fever Radio. At the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hey, is there anyone left in any Oregon small town who isn't a teen sex offender? Now police have arrested the barber in a small town. He's been arrested on sex abuse charges. Trusted Bruce Benkel the barber has been arrested. <laughs> the police are asking any parents who left their children oh. with Bruce unsupervised to come forward. He faces a series of uh, charges using a child in a display of sexually explicit conduct. Oh, yeah. He's had numerous victims, both male and female, oh. ranging from early to late teens. Just mentally shredding all those jokes I was about to make. Yeah. I can't even do my pedophile of Seville joke anymore. See, I was going to go the barber pole. Well, oh, okay. But, I, uh, but no, I won't do that. Both Hollywood, of class. Hollywood comes to Lincoln City to cheer up the masses after the recent flood. 
Uh, they're filming a Charlize uh, Theron movie there. It's called The Burning Pain. Or is that The Burning Pain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's being shot at the Chinook Winds Ballroom tomorrow from 10 to 6. So they're looking for local Lincoln City types who would like to be considered. Uh, they're asking you to wear your best professional cocktail garb or anything nice you may have living there in Lincoln City. And uh, come over to the Chinook Winds Ballroom and pretend to be upper class. They're looking for Lincoln City residents who are professional business types. They're also looking for luxury high-end cars from Lincoln City. Okay. So start looking now. A fool's errand is what that is. <laughs> it is. All right. Can we have neighboring Otis residents go in? I don't know. How would they know? Uh, uh, do we have a, a top five? Or we do. I have one right now. All right. Um, uh, okay. Let's do that. Here is uh, your top five for Friday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know if you already gave it to him or not. In MP3. I'm just marveling at the number of uh, photographs from the Swingers Club in which... Richie is sort of striking like a copper tone baby. Oh, bad widow boy. <laughs> oh, don't ever do that again. That's gonna, that'll end up on somebody's Christmas card. Totally. <laughs> Greetings from the Rick. That should have been our holiday oh, card. Yeah. Merry Christmas from oh, the Rick Emerson Lingo. Susan right. Reynolds, can you make that happen? <laughs> Here's uh, Tim Riley with today's top five. But this is uh, what Aaron, what is the nature of my, uh, my top five Christmas songs? Uh, Aaron which Durant's, were uh, very difficult because I love Christmas music. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to narrow it down to five. So We're going to do next week, we have this great idea. Somebody suggested this, and I think we're going to do it. It's the uh, top five most depressing Christmas songs ever recorded. Oh, <laughs> yes. So we'll do that next year. Or uh, next week, next rather. Yeah. <laughs> and next year. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So here are Aaron's top five Christmas songs. Honorable mention going to Oh Come All Ye Faithful by the Twisted Sisters. This is great. Uh, I we do played love this earlier song, yeah. this week. They did a whole, well, they had that whole Twisted Christmas CD. I've got it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do, of course, yeah. I have the Monster Ballads Christmas CD, if you want awesome. that. You know, I am a, I'm an unashamed Twisted Sister fan. Oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah. Without fail, whenever a Twisted Sister song comes up in the bumper music rotation, uh, like Sarah would say, well, who is this? And I'd be like, it's Twisted Sister. And she'd be like, I love this. Yeah, no, it's, well, they're so easy to make fun of until you realize that you like a lot of their songs. You don't realize how many Twisted Sister songs you know until you see a big list of them. And Dee Snyder wrote all that stuff single-handedly. I mean, he's an yeah. amazingly talented pop songwriter. I yeah, mean, his no. songs have just got these hooks you could hang aside a beef on. No, it's pretty great. At number five, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Well done. This yeah. is Mother yeah. Ravenscroft. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Gotta love these 70s CD players. You're a mean one. This is not Boris Karloff, although it says so in the credits. Mr. Grinch. Ah, I love this song. Mm -hmm. I always thought this was Boris Karloff. Yeah, it's not. He's He's, credited as Karloff. He's the narrator, though. Yeah, in the credits it says all voices, excuse me, all voices done by Karloff, and it says, and songs too. Really? Yeah. So they shafted this guy out of his It was a complete accident. And uh, when the producers found out, this is how cool these producers were back in the day. They wrote letters to every major metropolitan newspaper and said, please, when you review this, mention Thurl Ravenscroft did the singing. Excellent. Yeah. That is cool. You're a monster. So this is Tony the Tiger. Mr. Basically. Grinch. Oh, he just died this year. You're yeah, it bummed me out. I'm, I'm, he's yeah. dead. Okay. It's too soon. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah. I know. Mr. Grinch. Just like I still can't make Jim Henson jokes. I wouldn't no. touch you with a... 39 and a half foot pole. These are Aaron Durant's top five favorite Christmas songs of all time. Number four, four uh, Christmas in Holes with Run DMC. <laughs> uh, there's a joke there somewhere, but I'm too tired tonight. Christmas in the Hole. 
You no. were there yesterday. Nice. No, see, that's what? no. Yeah. That's what I wasn't going to do. It's a three-input Christmas. <laughs> like in the back of a Volkswagen? No, I was thinking like with your tree. Now you have to, uh, the power strip. Oh. Like when no. you have it in Rainier? <laughs> Sorry. All I can think of is Argyle, like dancing in the limousine or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is Die Christmas Hard. music. Freaking L.A. Uh, 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 Boy, it's hot uh, uh. to trot. No couple mama bears we can hook up with. Oh, is he, or is he married? He's married. <laughs> You're married, Holly. You're married to me. Cafepress.com for it. <laughs> I love this song. It's a great song. This song got me sent to principal in high school. Really? Yep. It was also the same day I got sent to principal because I was wearing a Fear of a Black Planet t-shirt. You went to school in a weird place. Yeah. Was that Susan Land, California? Susanville. Yes. These are uh, Aaron Durant's top five favorite Christmas songs of all time. Number three, Father Christmas from the Kings. Oh, yeah, yeah. look at you. Yeah, you know the way to my heart. Nah. Excellent. <sighs> what a great song. I actually had never heard this song until, until I started listening to your show. It's it Back in the 10 Behind days. the Christmas? Uh, no, before that. Actually, even before that. Yeah. It's not only my favorite Christmas song, it's one of my favorite Kinks songs of all time. They really are kind of the very first punk band. Yeah, this song is played all year round, period. How great is that? And it manages to be sort of poignant without being sappy. Yeah. Well, because the lyrics are kind of sad, even though the music yeah. is very upbeat. But that's, it's kind of that English punk thing where they can be sort of sad while angry at the same time. Yelling at Margaret Thatcher. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Counting down Aaron Durant's top five favorite Christmas songs. Number two, Jingle Bells from Sinatra. All right. I swear to God, for a minute, I was hearing now. the barking dogs. No, I always put that in as an honorable mention, though. <laughs> I love this because Sinatra is clearly drunk when he's recording this one. Just listen to him. Yeah. Had a little ring-a-ding before the, uh, before mm-hmm. the session. Him and Dino. Yeah. Maestro, how long have I been on? Let's knock this baby out. Just waiting to get out of the city. Go bang Judy Campbell. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one How can you tell he's drunk? Listen to it more. Then she goes, oh, Jingle Bell. Jingle bell <laughs> he's just being saucy. I mean, really, when Frank was, when, when wasn't he drunk? Seriously, and I was just thinking, about, you talk about a guy who never had to buy a drink in his life, yeah. ever. None of them. This is off the Sinatra Christmas and a Rat Pack Christmas. This is great uh, CD. I've got the Rat Pack Christmas, yeah. I've also got that Dean Martin did a great Christmas album that I like a lot. Uh, but I've got that one, too, yeah. This is a good time to mention, on Christmas Eve, um, it's not going to be a best of as such. On Christmas Eve, we'll be playing Behind the Christmas, which we do every year. That's so great. And Tim Riley's Frank Sinatra Christmas special will be aired right here on this very fine radio program, on this very fine radio station, Christmas Eve. Uh, Tim Riley's Frank Sinatra Christmas will be on Christmas Eve right here. Counting on Aaron Duran's top five Christmas songs of all time. Uh, At long last, number one. Yeah. I have no idea. The long-awaited. 
Silent Night from Sinead O'Connor. Really? I don't yes. think I've ever oh, heard I this. Love her so I much. love this. I love her voice so much. And there's oh, a very. She, I love her bald head. <laughs> Me too. I just love her voice. Her a voice, voice that can just yeah. ring your heart out. And all the other Irish singers that try to copy her later are just sad. Have you heard the duet that she did with Shane McGowan? No. Haunted? Haunted? No, you told me oh, about it, but I've never heard Lord. it. It is one of the most beautiful songs. Can I just tell you, I don't care what she looks like, and I think she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hair, no hair doesn't matter. I think she's beautiful physically. But, you know, she is... I, I kind of am like... Uh, how do I put this? Sometimes you will see guys in bands who are hideous, but they get girls because they're they got a great voice, or they can play guitar, or they're... You know, they're very talented. I am that way with women. Uh, like, I know women who m- maybe are not traditionally beautiful, but are so talented musically that I, they just become incredibly attractive. Even if she was not already attractive, her voice is just so unbelievably, like, angelic and powerful. Yeah, she, this is what heaven sounds like. Yeah, her and Freddie I, Mercury. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, this is just... Where did Tim go? He's out. Jesus, I like that. <laughs> but no, I've got a real emotional attachment to this song. The first Christmas we spent in Lake Forest, the neighborhood where I grew up, uh, I was sleeping in front of the fireplace, and I was like, you know, like seven years right. old, and a fire broke out in our fireplace. Uh-huh. And I just panicked, and I, was, I couldn't calm down. A fire truck showed up, and here I am, like seven years old, and my mom's carrying me outside, and she begins to sing this song in my ear. Right. Oh, so, that's beautiful. So this song is always locked in from then on. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the greatest newsman of the... It's gone. History of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us. This is so beautiful. Yeah. She did this song called um, "The Last Day of Our Acquaintance." Mm-hmm. It's got it, which is like the most yeah. heartbreaking divorce song ever written. I think you played that for the most depressing song. Oh God, you want to kill yourself halfway through? Because she's got that voice that is both wounded and healing. You know, like she is like the comforter, but she also sounds wounded at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's her voice. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. And she's a Methodist pastor now, I think. Oh, yeah. She no, got ordained. Hot, which is completely well, hot. Can you imagine her singing those really old, you know, medieval-style hymnals with that voice? I heard... She can even make stuff that sounds corny great. I heard her singing that... What is it? That Cockles and Muscles song? Yeah. yeah. Alive, Alive, or whatever it is. I heard her singing that a while back. And that's... You know, you grow up hearing that, and it seems kind of corny. And, of course, she sings... And everything she sings sounds like a hymn. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. I sing a grocery list and it would I, I saw her one time sing Danny Boy. Yeah. There wasn't a dry oh. eye in the room. I mean, nobody could maintain anymore. That's it. I'm going to start stalking her. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. Come back. Aaron Duran talks about I Am Legend and some other stuff. Uh, we'll wrap it up and uh, like us at 3 Donna Mike at 70. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, we're here with Aaron Geek in the City Duran, and let's welcome Court and Fatboy from our sister station, Rock 101 KUFO. Greetings. Hello. 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 Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Whore away. Now. Oh, yes. Tonight at the Baghdad Theater, 11 o'clock, Gremlins. And a mere $3 yeah. gets you in the door. Uh, 11 o'clock. I have to stress that again. 11 o'clock, because people, for whatever reason, are getting confused again, because it's called a midnight movie. They think the movie starts at midnight. I wonder why. Fools. Well, well, you're going to be in the theater at midnight, and actually, Aaron uh, tipped yeah. me off of this in an email yesterday. It's going to be insane. Uh, the way the movie times out, it's probably going to turn midnight in the movie when it turns midnight oh, in real life. Oh, 
yeah. And everybody's going to be eating and drunk. <laughs> yes, eating and drunk. So please come down, enjoy a bucket full of Cajun tots. Sure. A pint of beer. Buy me a pint of beer. It's almost my birthday. Fantastic. There you go. But don't buy me too much because I might get angry. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I wasn't alone in that assessment, by the way. Actually, no, yeah, you were pretty alone in that assessment. Yeah. I, I wasn't even drunk. Why don't you throw me under the bus on this? No, what? no, I was. I call, I wrote in and said, he is not an angry drunk. He no, I'm, drunk. A very, I'm a happy, happy drunk. drunk. I, was, I, was, I was singing and dancing Were you hungover? You, you did you come in hungover then? Yeah. No, I was just tired. Oh. See, he told me you came in hungover. <laughs> you told me you were still kind of feeling last night. Well, okay, I was kind of feeling it, but that's yeah. just because I woke up late. Oh. Yeah. No, I wasn't hungover or anything. I saw, well, maybe I, you were just mad because okay, you, you kept getting what? schooled in pool. I take it, I'm <laughs> sorry. I take it all back. You apparently look that way under all circumstances. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Right. I know. I know. No, that was a good one. <laughs> At least nice he step. shoots without using the bridge. Uh. Oh. Shut yeah. right. up. That is true. You know, they made he the bridge to be used. by girls. Now, while I appreciate Aaron sticking up for me, at, at at least Rick did hit the ball when he when he stroked at it. You know what, bitch? <laughs> I hit the ball. <laughs> I hit the ball when it counts for the win. This is yeah. just like the gayest yeah. slap fight that's ever happened. FTW. <laughs> uh, Court and Fatboy Midnight Movie tonight, eleven o'clock. Yes. Uh, back at Gremlins, and then of course you can listen to them uh, do their show live, and you'll be on the show live tonight as well. At eight o'clock, yes, mm-hmm. doing the uh, Geek in the City Comic Corner. You're uh, going to be talking about Hellboy, correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. Speaking nice. of Geek in the City, uh, I Am Legend. We talked about it on Tuesday. Your assessment? Go. Uh, it is a great film. Definitely check out I Am Legend. Not as bleak and dark as The Mist, thank God. Yeah, nothing nothing is. is. But still, yeah. not a completely uplifting film, but really good. Uh, Will Smith turns in a fantastic performance. There's not a lot of like, oh, hell no, or, you know. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, take this, bloodsucker. There's none of that. Which he I does think, do a good job of acting, like having real reactions. Yeah, no, he definitely does. I'm and sort of disappointed that really, no, no, oh hell no. There's none, none of that. Of there's well, like one time he gets jo- kind of funny, but they're very the jokes, human moments. And they work for it. They earn the jokes. Okay. Because yeah. it's him kind of slowly going crazy. Uh, yeah. And he just has a dog, you know, it's his only, and it, it, they, they work for the sort of dark humor that they get. Yeah. yeah, but when they push in tight and you see that, like, the emotion and the angst he's going through, it's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, there's, <laughs> and by the way, there's a, there's a couple big, it, it is kind of a ball. It punch is very, very sad. Yeah, there's sometimes. a couple big, and this is for caring! <laughs> but very good. It's nice to show that once in a while Hollywood, a big budget can still crank yeah. out a really emotional film. It's not cool. perfect, but it's good. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, but before we do anything else, uh, it, Richie Bristol, will you please to be entering the studio? And Sarah, did you want to introduce? We have some. Uh, oh yes, I, I met two listeners at SantaCon this weekend. And these are the listeners that you called me on the phone. You're like, they're great and they're not crazy. Yes, this is Crystal and Eldon. You guys want to say Crystal hi? and Eldon. Hello. Hello. And hi. Listeners, and I guess the Rick Emerson Show brought them together, and they've been dating. Really? Oh. Yeah. We usually just break relationships apart. <laughs> I got right. married because of the show. Have done today. Really? Oh, that's well. I mean, yeah. Without, the, yeah. I mean, well, you're currently yeah. autopsying Scott Daly's relationship. <laughs> no. and, I shouldn't have. I'm already si- getting text messages from the girl like, I did not sleep with him. I'm like, oh no. no. We didn't Whatever see that. that. It's already all Y cut and out on the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's too late now. Let's just pull the organs out and have fun. Well, so congratulations on meeting in your relationship, and you and both how are. Is no, she you you are yeah. both. Yeah, you're both uh, normal looking and normal acting. And she so. brought chocolate chip bacon cookies. And she brought us chocolate chip bacon cookies. Yeah. In your face, everybody who's not me. All right. Uh, Richie, uh, yeah. before we end, end things here, um, so the girl who asked you to the swingers club. Uh-huh. So now the judges are requiring at least a tentative uh, and decision at this point. And wants you to wait to like, drag it out, but no, you should totally go this weekend. If she Did she ask? Did she invite you for both nights or just one night? Uh, we're trying to figure it out. Trying to, oh, so I now mean, uh, it's just a question uh, of what night. Oh, well, I work Saturday. Well, remember, night. they only let 10 single guys in on Saturday. Well, but you work Saturday, you said. I'm, I'll be, it'll be a couple. So yeah, so you oh. it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. So if you work Saturday, you would be then going tonight. 
Yeah, theoretically. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. 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 You're on the radio. You have to get used to it. Rick Emerson ticketers out The club exercises discretion. Except for the guy that screamed at us as we were coming in and leaving the club last night. There was the whole, like, you know, like, ass club, best show ever, and whatever. So so that is most likely tonight. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> Dude, you better not check it Turn out. Turn in your either. penis at the door. Oh, they're going to smell know, you smell coming, so don't even try to be secretive about it. Did you already sign up for a membership? Uh, you see me taking pictures of my driver's license? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what that means. Well, Chris, you know, so we don't have to stand there and wait. I want to get in there now. Oh, you don't want to stand with the commoners. You don't want to stand with the rabble, the hoi polloi. No, I'll be in wig. All right, so on Monday, on Monday we'll get a recap then. Sure. It's all very exciting. Okay. You better don't chicken out. You will regret it. You seriously? If, can I speak for all the men here? If you don't go with a hot girl that wants to take you to a sex club, you will kill yourself someday with regret. It's Literally a, killing yourself. Yeah. It's a thing you'll think about on your deathbed. You yeah. will wish that you had had done it yeah. while you're drinking the seven bottles of cologne that are on your yeah, on your countertop. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you can find the pictures of our tour of the Swingers Club at 970.am. 970.am. All right. We want to thank Crystal and Eldon for coming in today. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Ed McCarthy and Rachel McGrath. Aaron Geek in the City. Duran from FilmFeverRadio.com and GeekInTheCity.com. Court and Fatboy, their midnight movie tonight, 11 o'clock. You can see them live at the Baghdad. Aaron's going to be in that show as well. Um, and uh, we want to thank the folks at uh, at Angels for uh, for the tour yesterday. And don't forget Kristen uh, from Accounting tomorrow at the Tiger Bar, 9 p.m. Go see Bubba Speed tonight uh, at the Buffalo Gap. Um, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. A proud part of the CBS Radio family. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, webmistress, and uh, podcasting Bridget from upstairs. And the CBS Radio Portland marketing guru is Susan Reynolds. As always, my friends, don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes and uh, see you all uh, Monday. Bye now.